4: Recorded live. Three
0: three nine nine four. Welcome to Talkshoe. Please, uh- your entry is not valid, or your call is not scheduled at this time. Three, three. Welcome to Talkshoe. Please enter the call ID followed by the pound key. You may access the call up to 15 minutes before its scheduled start time.
5: Joining the call. Hello, hello. Hey, Angela. Welcome, welcome. Uh, let's see here.
0: Greetings. Can you hear me? Okay.
5: Yeah, I can hear you fine. I think you probably can, right? Testing one two three. Testing, testing. All right.
6: Thank you, Gus. Nice to see you here. Um, Let's see. We've got uh, eight minutes left, so I need to go get a glass of water, and I'll be right back.
5: Mm. <clears throat> Okay.
6: Uh, Shaman is East Tennessee. Oh, all right. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you, Rocco. I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I had to get some water. Thank you. How, how are you? <laughs> He's guest number four. Okay, let me go ahead and I'll unmute him and East Ten. well, I have two East Tennessees. Nope, I have oh. There we go. Okay, did I unmute the right people?
7: Uh hey Angela.
6: <laughs>
7: Hi. Who's you- this? This is J C.
6: Hi, J C and, and
7: Angela. Shaman Shaman. That's
6: me. Hi Shaman.
8: Hey, how are
6: you? Nice to speak with I'm okay. Nice to speak with you guys. Can, well, thanks do for I having sound us on. Okay or, oh, my pleasure. My fan isn't disturbing the sound, is it?
7: Nope. I don't hear it.
6: Oh, okay, good. I got this little spongy thing over the mouthpiece, so that should work. All right, what time is it? We still have two minutes. So uh, get your water, whatever you need, ready to go.
7: Yeah, I'm still finishing eating some dinner.
6: Okay. Okay. We have another East Tennessee. It says X Knoxville. Um, that's what yours says, too. We have two people on from the same phone, or, or two different phones. Or. Nope. Because yours says East Tennessee X Knoxville, and then... This one here says East Tennessee, X Knoxville. Who's that?
7: I oh, don't know, but there will probably be a fair amount of East Tennessee I would think.
6: Huh?
7: I would think that what? there would be a fair amount of East Tennessee people on the call tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, there'll
3: be many. There'll probably be many on. Uh, Gus said you have him muted, Angela.
6: Oh, okay. Do you want me to unmute you, Gus? And let me go ahead and mute East Tennessee back out. There you go. Okay, and Gus you are you are unmuted.
3: Can you still hear me, Angela? Yeah, yeah. loud and okay, clear. Good.
6: Everybody's good. I don't know you guys, but Gus said you're gonna talk common law or something.
8: Yeah, right.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. Let's see. Is it time? Not yet. One more minute. Yeah, hold on. I'm getting one here. So
9: how you How you been?
6: Who? You? Me? Oh, I'm you yeah. hanging in here, trying to clean out my garage.
9: <laughs> yeah. Oh God, God, what a mess! Gotta get that done before the heat gets uh, gets too hot.
6: Well, the thing is, you know, I I have I have a storage container. Uh, like a garage storage, and they just went up, jacked up the rent again, so I want to get it out of there, and I've got to make room in my garage so that I have room to store my storage, and the rest is going in the trash. I can't afford that anymore. Yeah, Where are you at? I closed up up my shop. I'm in Culver City. Oh, When I closed up my shop, I had, you know, excess refrigerators, washers, dryers, so I'm getting rid of all of that crap I had here. Good. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's 6 o'clock. All right. Let's get this show going. So hold on.
4: Talk. Recorded live.
6: Hi, everybody. It's June 21st, 2018, and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speakers are two gentlemen. One is known as JC, and the other one is known as Shaman. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome. And I guess we're going to have Gus on also. Gus Breton introduced us, so it was his referral that got him on the call. So welcome, gentlemen. I'm glad you can make it. What are we going to talk about tonight?
7: Uh, Angela, and thank you, Gus, for uh, setting this and uh the shaman and I are going to talk about who we are and kind of how we came to learn common law. That's okay.
3: Okay with and what we do,
6: okay, you have the floor. It's all yours.
3: go for it, Gus, did you
9: no I'm good
6: you, you guys go ahead i uh
9: i mean we uh, we all met through the same circles uh uh sean was uh was over in Virginia talking to Carl one day and and then Carl put him on the phone with me and we started talking and we got to know each other. And, you know, a year and a half later, um, we just hooked up and started talking about things. And, uh, JC, uh, you know, same thing, you know, so somehow we ended up on the phone and, uh, I didn't even know they knew each other. And, you know, we just started talking about doing a show and helping people out. People need to help. And, and, um, they know what they're doing, and it's it's really great to work with them. Cool. It's always yeah. good to
6: have new people on. We, we produce new people.
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> but we give them a floor. We give them a, a means by which to tell us what they're doing, share their information. So let's do that.
9: Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> before we get started, I know Angela's got a PayPal button on her website, and uh, I imagine um, there's not that many people hitting her, you know, her donation button, just like there isn't, you know, typically anybody hitting, you know, Craig Lynch or mine or anybody else's. People just take what we do for, for granted. And, uh, you know, if, if you like what you've been hearing from Angela for the last seven, eight years, I don't know how long you've been on, but you know, drop nine, 20 it'll months. It'll
6: be nine years this month. Yeah. On the 29th yeah.
9: of this month, it'll be
6: nine years. But go ahead, it,
9: so if you're if you're a regular listener, if you're on Angela's call every week listening to what she's putting out, you know, uh, say hi, show some gratitude, you know, just just send her a cup of coffee or, you know, buy her dinner or something, you know, drop some money in that account.
6: I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to say. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it's that it's right.
9: uh, people don't realize, you know, how much you do. You know, they just tune in every week, and it's a great show, and that's it. You know, and, and you know, I do my website, and there's other people like Kurt Winch who do their thing, and you know, there's a lot of different people who put out a lot of information, uh, but there's right. there's not that much gratitude to go around.
6: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'll take all the donations I can get. <laughs> but uh, okay, let's let's uh, get on with what we're going to talk about.
7: So uh, yeah, no. I, I agree with Gus, uh I believe that sometimes people don't um fully appreciate how much time like on Gus's talk show, uh Carmen and I have been kind of putting together lesson plans and having them oh. on the daily uh blog I guess, so that people can kind of follow along with what we're talking about.
6: I think that's a great idea
7: yeah <laughs> so we we figured it was pretty good anyways. My real name is uh John cross, and um I grew up in in South carolina and uh ever since I was about eighteen until I had a kid uh my main occupation was uh private contracting for marijuana <laughs> and Shaman, do you Private,
6: to, wait a minute,
7: wait a minute.
6: Private
7: <laughs> contracting for marijuana? Uh, yeah, what is yeah that? I would uh, privately contract with my fellow man to pick up marijuana, and I'd privately contract with other fellow
3: man <laughs> to deliver it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, and, the, and this is the funny part. You're going to laugh at this. So, Shaman's real name is kind of funny. It's actually Sean Mann. Um and uh I've been many things in my life, uh and still do, but there for about ten years, um, six years I was a full time police officer and then part time for about three and a half years, which is kind of yeah. ironic that John and I met up. Um so that what was a something push. that
6: <laughs> you busted <yeah>. him, right?
3: <laughs> actually, <No> actually. <laughs> we were we were gonna we were gonna mess with you and tell you that, but we decided against it. Um no that would have been that would have been the icing on the cake if that had happened (laughs) uh but uh what's really ironic about it though is the fact that he came from one side of the fence and i came from the other side of the fence and we actually met where real law begins and uh that's a pretty interesting story and it puts us in a pretty unique perspective on law how it operates on both sides and um it gives us some insight that a lot of other people don't have the luxury of having because not many people know cops that are studying true common law or willing to teach it, even if they did understand it.
7: But it is really funny that you mentioned that, because we, uh, and sometimes when we're hanging out together and we meet people new, we'll tell them that, uh, I was driving a bunch of pot through Tennessee, and Sean pulled me over and arrested me. And then we had a conversation, and by the end of it, he taught me how to be in a marijuana distributor, and I talked him out of being a cop, started fighting crime together. Sounds <laughs> like
6: a match made in heaven, <laughs> right?
3: <laughs> so, no, I mean, uh, go ahead, JC.
7: Well, you know, since I had a lot of time and uh, disposable income in my younger life, uh, before my my son was born, I uh, pretty much went to school uh, because I love to learn. So I went and studied different things, and and law is one of the things that I studied, along with psychology, accounting, business. Um, I believe it's really, really important for people to have a well-rounded education. And I think that one of the problems we have in society today is that everybody has a very specialized education. And when you nice. get them on a subject matter outside of what they're comfortable with, um, you know, people kind of revert. We we got us some drug
6: runners on the call. Yeah.
8: don't
7: So... You know, people kind of reverse Sorry about
6: that. You know, that's the 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 resident troll. Sorry. That's what well, happened to us. We thought
3: we were the only ones that had that happen to us. <laughs> they usually bark at us or make cat sounds.
6: Or or Yeah, chick- well his username is Northwest Arkansas, so that should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs>
3: He's hanging out with his sister right now.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably a- Probably a product of his mother and uncle. <laughs>
7: oh, southern family. Uh-huh. Hey, okay, go ahead. Don't let it disrupt.
6: I'll try to be faster on the the mute button if I can. Problem is, there's a delay. I hit the mute, and then there's still a couple of seconds that they get to stay on before it, you know, registers. But okay, hopefully that's the only one we have to deal with. Now let's not have any more further interruptions and go on with what you were saying. <laughs> I'm sorry.
7: Uh, sorry. Um sorry. Just, I was saying that when people, when you start to get people with these specialized education kind of out of their comfort zone of what they know, uh, they Your go back to, mouth to the indoctrination. <laughs> you know, they go back to the indoctrination mentality. So what... What Sean and I are really trying to do is we're trying to educate people and not just on the common law but on general education together. Uh, A couple of shows that we've done have been about history and how America has been formed and then um, Sean pretty much runs the show every Saturday night uh, dealing with the spiritual and the father and how the father then to actually walking into court and standing as a man, and not being afraid, not being scared, and moving forward with your life. And so with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Sean.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, have tons of gurus and teachers, um, not, and not to imply that we know everything, because that's not what we're saying, but it is well-rounded. I mean, I'm a musician, an artist, uh i can do just any construction i've been a cop a fireman uh a vagabond i've actually been homeless for a time when i was in california which is actually kind of fun and um like he said i've been to seminary so we have a pretty rounded perspective of things and you have all these people you know you hear gurus teaching things and and teaching things about what law enforcement thinks or how they act. And, you know, for me, it's been hard to not say anything because I purposely haven't said anything about what I did because sometimes that makes people nervous or untrusting because I know that 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 can hinder relationships. But it actually, if people will think about it, it gives me a heck of an insight to be able to help. And the things that John's done make him unique to help. And then when you add Gus into the mix, I mean, you're aware of his background. When the three of us came together, it was really kind of magical to us. Um, The personalities really click. The knowledge level clicks. Uh, We actually took – Gus had us take a – I forget what it was called. It was some kind of personality test, and we all scored almost exactly the same. So, you know, we're we're teaching people not just the one-two thing, I'm done, We're trying to teach them from point A to point Z, and not only how to do stuff, but why you're doing it. If you don't understand why you're stepping into a court or why you're saying you want to be a man, it makes it a lot more difficult to even understand it. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. We hear tons of stuff from people that just doesn't make any sense at all and they don't know history. They don't go back and study. They don't go back and find the root of what it was. You can't just go back 30 years. You got to go back two, three, four hundred years, sometimes further to be able to get an answer, you know? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, okay. JC. We'll try bouncing off one another tonight.
7: Yeah, well, I would say um, the thing that mainly got me to go and really hit the law library really hard you know spending week after week of studying case law corpus juris secundum. Um I made a YouTube channel uh, called Just Conspiracy and the 13 videos 12 videos really kind of go through pictures that I took out of a law book and uh, you know I ask some questions and kind of piece things together as as I kind of Uh, developed a novel and tried to share, you know, my experience with what was going on. And then the last six are a little bit more artistic, but the main thing that gave me the motivation for doing this is that now I have a six-year-old child and when he was born it really dawned on me that if the people don't start getting together and standing with one another and uh, doing the right thing now, my child will probably never know what rights are. And that's a really scary thought to me because with what I was doing for my life, my rights are very, very personal to me. Um, I'm going to say two things about love about cops. And the first one directly relates to the second one. And the first thing I love about cops is that they are underpaid. They do not get enough for what they do. They have to go out on calls that I wouldn't dream of walking on the scene to of my own free will. And because they are underpaid, they're typically not very well educated. So if people know their rights and they just stay quiet and, you know, play the game, the the worst thing I think anybody can do when they're getting arrested or, uh, you know, they're going to court or whatever's going on is try to fight the other side. You know, it's not a fight. I used to tell people, don't run from the cops. It makes you look guilty. You know, just the fact that you're running makes you look guilty. And Sean and I spend a lot of time talking to people about how not to act as a defendant. You know, you don't have to explain why you have a right. All you got to do is exercise your right. And once you start defending a position that's correct, you know, you look combative (laughs) to the other side. And as soon as you become combative with the other side, then they can fight back. And they have more guns, they have more manpower, and they they own the system, so they're going to win. So,
5: that's for sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. I tell everybody, never break the pop-off, never break the pop rule when you're talking to a cop and that's pissing off the police. That doesn't mean that you kiss their butt, but... There's a way of handling, like, we did a show last night, and there was a gentleman from Virginia, and he was talking about all the things he was saying to cops on the side of the road. And all in my mind I could think of was the cop would have put up with that for about three to five minutes, and he would have pulled him through the window. And there was really no reason for him, you know, the guy meant well, and it was information. But, you know, you have to, he, he and everybody on the call has to understand that those guys have a job to do, and they are not trained in law. and some are bad. Some are very bad. That's one of the reasons why I left it. Um, I struggled quite a bit with some of the the hierarchy of that, and I struggled. Toward the end, a lot of the things that I was doing made me uncomfortable because I I just didn't feel right doing it. And then when I had a meeting with a guy, I guess it would have been around 2010, maybe, I... uh, I learned about Barron versus the mayor of the city of Baltimore case. And when I read that, that's where that was pretty much the case that opened my eyes to, oh, my gosh, a lot of the stuff I did as a cop was just freaking wrong. And uh, so it put me on my studying, and um, it's kind of interesting that the way John and I met was I had a big um, case that I was – under-learning by the skin of my teeth and by the seat of my pants. And he was helping another guy. And through that guy is how John and I met on a speakerphone one night when I was in Nashville. And uh, we've been pretty much inseparable since. And we, do, and we actually have some pretty unique views that are vastly different, and we still get along and try to help other people. And that's kind of what our whole focus is, is to try to teach people a balanced view of law how to act as a man and uh, how to not fight or be angry and try to be at peace because you're going to get further in with that kind of mindset than you ever will, being combative, um, argumentative, or any of those things. And in education, like John said, education is absolutely key. People don't even understand the languages that they're talking anymore, the, the court language is not English. So
7: one example that I have of not fighting is um, the first time that I was ever arrested on a drug charge, I was uh, watching a friend's house while they ran out to the store and the cop showed up with a search warrant. And, uh, you know, obviously they put me in handcuffs and sat me down in the kitchen and, you know, one of the officers was sitting there talking to me. And then this other officer comes in and he puts down two ounces of marijuana. And uh, at that point in time, you know, the officer is like, okay, now you're under arrest. Uh, you know, you have the right to remain silent and do this and that. And, of course, after that, the cops were making fun of me. You know, making fun of stuff around the house, this or that. You know, I mean, it's embarrassing to have somebody rummaging through personal property. You know, nobody wants anybody coming into their house, ripping it apart. And it wasn't even my house. You know, like, I wasn't even renting it. And I just looked at the officer who was doing that. And I was like, man, I don't see why you're making fun of me. You know, like, you're over here in a private home you know, rummaging through private stuff. And I'm not talking crap to you. I'm not saying anything mean to you because I know you're just doing your job. You know, you're trying to get drugs off the street. That's cool. And that just means I got to do my job in the morning and call my attorney when I'm walking out of jail. And that's exactly what I did. But there's there's no reason to be combative. There's no reason to fight him. Like, yeah, is what he was saying... Did that make me upset? Of course it did, you know? But, I mean, there's six of them. There's one of me, and I'm in handcuffs. What am I going to do? You know? Might as well try and make them laugh. Because one thing that Sean and I always try and tell people, is when they get into these court cases, it's it's really, really personal. And everybody gets really emotional about it. But if you can get the other side laughing, if you can do things that are humorous, uh, you know, there's a saying in law school, and that is a laughing jury is not a hanging jury. You know, if you can get them to laugh, they're they're not going to, to beat you up.
3: At least you hope they don't. <laughs> Nowadays, one of the things that we're running into, because we're, We're actually going to court quite a bit with people and helping people and the the level of education not only on uh, this side i don't know what to call our side um but even the other side uh, people would be shocked to know that even a lot of attorneys don't know law Um, cops learn policy and procedure and statutory uh, codes things of that nature but they don't t- They don't learn a lot of law, theft, murder, assault, some of those things they do, but even then, they turn it right over to the prosecutor, and, you know, they're not really doing anything except being a witness when they're called in, so they don't really have a lot of training in it. Uh, I remember sitting in the police academy, and they had the uh, assistant DA came in. We spent one day on constitutional law out of an eight-week academy, by the way, and uh, they came in and... He was teaching, and I raised my hand, he said, what? And I'm like, "Um, the Fourth Amendment, I, I mean, it says that we can't arrest without a warrant. He said, right. I'm like, well, if I'm driving down the road and I pull somebody over, you just said that they're technically under arrest, right? And he said, yeah. I'm like, I don't have a warrant. How am I arresting them? He's like, you're getting one later. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem like that's what it's saying. He goes, trust me, man. I'm an attorney. I got it. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I just got into the academy, so what do I know? And I trusted that. But that's really kind of how it goes. You know, you trust the people above you or you just follow orders. They don't they don't really think about it a lot, to be honest. And um, And that's dangerous, but that's where the whole of society has gotten. They don't even understand how to break sentences down anymore, or words. You know, we teach, some some of the shows we do, we just sit and break down words with people like defendant or represent or unalienable or, you know, just a plethora of a bunch of other words and trying to get them to understand. Like, um, I got a little feedback for the call last, last night, John, where we were talking about when you answered that guy from Pennsylvania and you said, dude, it's not written down. It's just since time immemorial. And I was telling him it's just been that way. One of the callers um, got a little confused and aggravated by that and actually started thinking we were nefarious because we said, look, I mean, dictionaries break words down by pronunciations, but there's no, you know, I'm not aware of a dictionary that breaks words down by syllables or words or how they all break together. Um, That's just something common sense would tell you to do, and or at some point during this journey that you would think to do, and a lot of people aren't doing that. So, Angela, really that's kind of the focus is we're just trying to educate people and get them more rounded on history so they under, you know, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, right?
6: That's
1: right.
6: <clears throat> you want to take a question? Somebody has their hand up. Sure. Okay. Um, you've been unmuted, East Iowa. Go ahead. East Iowa, did you want to ask a question? You had your hand up. Was that an accident maybe? Or is your phone muted maybe? Okay. Well, I guess East yeah, Iowa. Yeah, it
8: was muted and uh, it was an accident. Thank you.
6: Okay. Sorry. All right. Thank you. That's okay. All right. Never mind. Continue, <laughs> or if anybody has a question, press star eight, and that'll put you up in the queue. queue you. Um, Otherwise, you guys continue on.
7: Yeah, well, we're. Somebody waiting. had
6: it. Wait a minute. You know, somebody had a question out here. Let me just get that out of the way real quick. Uh, uh, where? Let me find it. Hold on a second. Well, in essence, they wanted to know how do you help people go into court. When you say you help people in court, how do you go in and help people?
7: Well, that's really on an individual basis um, because really what we're doing is we're trying to teach people a new way to believe. And since everybody believes different things and everybody believes differently, um,
1: mm-hmm.
7: when we're working with people on a one-on-one basis, it's, it's always different. And no two cases are the same. But basically, we're kind of like a sounding board. We'll say, uh, this is what we believe. What do you believe? And we try and logic it out with people. And one of the reasons why we do this is because, you know, Sean and I have gained an incredible amount of knowledge and experience over the past year. And most of that has come from, Sean and I just spending hours and hours and hours on the phone doing things like debating words, debating the meanings of words, um, talking about uh, philosophical concepts and the difference between right and wrong. Um, so, really, a lot of what we do is we just logic things out because law is very, very logical. If you can step up into the courtroom, and you can out logic the other side, then the only thing that they can do to to hurt you or push forward is ad hominem, which means that basically uh, they're just going to insult you and, you know, make fun of you, basically act like the cops who arrested me that first time, then you've already won,
8: especially
7: if you get people to go in with you and support and be a witness. Um, because most of the time, when judges run over people, they typically break the law while they're doing it. In fact, I've never seen a judge run over somebody without breaking the law while he's doing it. Had um, your input on that question?
3: Um, one aspect of it that they were wondering is: Have we ever been next friend? The answer is yes. Um, in that case is very interesting. But, um, I mean, he's right. We, when we help people, it's not so much that we're trying to tell them who we are. We're trying to get them to, to rediscover who they're supposed to be and who they are. Um, if you look at this movement, Angela, overall, you'll see a lot of people are pissed. They're like, well, you, you, you can't tell me that. And well, you can't just pull me over cause you want to. And you can't tell me I can't walk there. And why do I have to pay taxes and this and that? But those that and, and those things can be true, um, but it all depends on your position um, and ignorance and fear. Ignorance leads to fear. Fear leads to suffering. In Master Yoda's famous little speech with Luke, they, uh, you know, it's like John was saying with words, you know, like a, a, you know statutes. They come from statues. Well, statues are idols. So the state has rigid statues. They turn into statutes and it becomes the state statutes, right, which gives you status because you're a status. And you start taking all these words, and you're like, oh, my gosh, all these words are intertwining. Like, where did the word fear come from? Well, the word fear comes from fire. God is a purifier. He's a purifier of men. And then you're put through trials. You're put through a trial, when you start breaking these words down and you start relating them back to what they derived from, you start like defending. If you're deregulating or demasculating or any D thing you're taking away. If you're fending for yourself, you're in the act of doing. Well, if you're a defendant, they've taken away your ability to fend for yourself because now you're being represented or represented as a person instead of a man. And anybody who's being... Uh, uh, represented in law or in uh, court by an attorney is a fiction of law therefore how can you have rights because now you're a fiction uh, revenue is revenue take you from one venue which is the private into the public once you're revenued, well now you're you have to pay taxes for revenue um, people have to learn where these things the birth certificate is a big thing for me um, that is a, horribly misunderstood piece of paper um there are people going to prison left and right because they think there's some magical account somewhere that's just filled with billion gazillions of dollars and uh they're going to prison left and right because they don't understand it i i know people personally who are in prison right now one guy even died from the stress um it's a horrible thing to watch people get hurt um people got to find out what's going on. And that's where the unity comes from. You know, we all have different gifts. You have a wonderful gift of oratory uh, patience. We've listened to you for quite a while. And, you know, John has a gift. I have a gift. Gus has gifts. And all the callers on here have a gift. And if we can all come together and figure out those strengths and accept our weaknesses and accept our strengths and see how we can help benefit one another, Just like that case where the next friend thing happened, we brought like eight people with us. It made it very difficult for them. I mean, we were definitely a pain in their neck. Um, We drove them up the wall and we smiled the entire time. We never raised our voice. We never got out of line. We were always polite. They knew us on a first name basis by the time the whole thing was over. Um, And it was a great experience for everybody involved because they got a front row seat to seeing things. And you know, there's nothing beats experience, guys. When, you can read four thousand books.
7: This Do one, what? When the, was that? This was at the end of uh, 2017, and in fact, uh, in in November, um, my buddy got up and he just basically said, "Where's the accuser?" And they had to switch up judges on him every single time he said that. Because the judge would always say, I don't know where the accuser is. I don't know who the accuser is because I didn't, you know, I haven't read the case. We're here to do this one thing. And um, hmm. he was probably on Was it on six his, or eight?
3: Was it six or eight?
7: But he was on the, his sixth judge at that point. So
3: oh, yeah.
7: he, they'd already dragged him back in six times. Because whenever you get a driver's license, you consent to service of summons. For 180 days, which basically means if you have a driver's license, they can summon you to court for 180 days without establishing jurisdiction. And,
3: uh and you have to go.
7: Yeah, and so on on this November day, um, Sean came down in support, and he brought some people, and we had some other people, and uh, you know the judge had decided. And, I'm sure not by himself, uh, that he was just going to run over him and send him to uh, Butner Campus, It's the state mental institution. And so he gets up to say, you know, hey, where's the accuser? And they go ahead and arrest him to send him off for a mental evaluation. And Sean and I sat out in the parking lot um, and helped. His significant other, he he has basically a wife, and her stomach was cut out. Like, you know, her she literally gets fed through a tube. And she this, has cancer. Yeah, this man takes care of her. He basically wrote out some paperwork where she's going to go claim her property and, uh, you know, put in, hey, this is what we're going to charge you until the property is restored because this this man has to take care of me, you know, like unless somebody else comes with some type of serious injury, you know, that justifies him being behind bars, give him back. And I remember because we waited, we waited to talk to the judge, um, you know, that afternoon and, (laughs) you know, the clerk's office was just fumbling back and forth with the paperwork. And finally we just got a copy of the paperwork and we took it up there and we handed it to the bailiff and said, hey, will you go hand this to the judge? And the prosecutor says, hey, wait a minute. And he looks at it and he laughs at us. He's like, oh, (laughs) this is funny. Yeah, go hand that to the judge. It wasn't even five minutes later. That judge was looking out the door, you know, from his chambers like, uh, are they still out there? And um, Sean, you want to finish the story, or
3: you want me to tell them what I had to do down at the other building?
7: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: Okay. And so why,
7: why did you go down there?
3: So basically, what was going on is <clears throat> they we they we actually helped her open up a court, her own court, and it was set for one o'clock. Well, this is where they started playing the fumble game, and they brought in the state, brought in a. Big case, actually. And what they were trying to do was eat the clock down. And I'm like, John, dude, they're just eating the clock down, man. They're going to try to run the time out and say a 5 o'clock course over. And uh, he's like, dude, there's a magistrate down in that other building. (laughs) I'm like, I'm on it. So I go down there. I'm like, you know, and I told the lady, I'm not going to say her name, but I told the lady to go ahead and follow me down. And she's a little slower. I said, I'll go in front of you. Well, I went down, and it it was in the sheriff department. And uh, I went down and got on the uh... – sorry, my battery's dying. Um, walked in, asked the detective who was sitting at the front desk. I'm like, hey, need to see a magistrate. Well, he comes out, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? I introduced myself. I was very courteous. And I said, well, you see this lady walking across the parking lot? And he's like, yeah. I said, well – we're going to have to require that you open up, she's going to require that you open up a uh, a court. He said, well, what for? I said, well, she needs to move an action, a common law action against, and I said the, the guy's name, and this dude started visibly shaking. Um, he was very upset, and he's like, man, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't do that. I'm like, sir, with all respect, I said, "When she's not asking. It's a requirement. That's your job. That's the whole reason you're here. He's started stuttering. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going against a superior court judge. I'm like, you're not going against a superior court judge, sir. You're going against the man. And she, and he wronged this woman. I said, you see the one with the bag hanging out of her stomach? And uh, he literally, he's like, I'm, I'm not going against a superior court judge. And he went in the back and locked the door. I mean, he, he just left. And so I went back upstairs and I told John what was going on. And so we, we did the waiting game and that's when we got to you know the course they did. They bled the clock out till five o'clock. And uh and then John stood up and said something, John you can take it over from there.
7: So uh, they uh they closed they were closing the court down and of course the bailiff's like, you know, court's closed for the day. All you guys gotta get out of here. And so I stood up and I looked up at the judge, and it was it was pretty interesting. You know, like, we were pushing the paperwork just to see if he'd fall into the conflict of interest by hearing it. And um, so I get up and I'm like, are you ordering clothes for the day? And, um, you know, the bailiffs are like, you guys better go home if you know it's good for you. And I'm like, no, no, no. Man, up there in the black robe, are you ordering court closed for the day? And he said, y'all better get out of here and get home before you don't make it home tonight. And that was basically all I was going for. Like, thanks for getting that threat on an open court record. And, And that man, he knew that he could not close court. He knew that he did not have the authority to close court for the day. Because court is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's just how it is. And so, of course, we're walking out of the courthouse because we're going to try and make it home that night. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're like, okay, well, now we're going to take our group of eight people and we're going to go down to the sheriff's department. And there were probably 8 to 12 sheriffs outside of the sheriff's department. When we started walking down there. They literally ran inside to the sheriff's department and locked all of the doors.
3: (laughs) He's he's not making that up. I mean, they literally went into the building, locked the sheriff's department down at 15 after 5.
7: And so... We go up to the door, and it says, hey, if you have, you know, a complaint to make after hours or this or that's going on, go to the side door if you got to get the magistrate. Okay, so we go to the side door, and we ring the bell. And, of course, by this point, you know, we've spent a couple of minutes there. They know that we're not just going away. So somebody answers, and they're like, can we help you? Yeah, you can. Uh, I wish to see a magistrate like this woman, this woman was awesome. When uh, <laughs> I her on this, she just picked it up and ran with it. She was like, I require seeing a magistrate. Uh-huh. And they're like, sorry, we don't have magistrates right now. <laughs> We're all out for the day. And she's like, what you mean you ain't got no magistrate? What if somebody just stabbed me in the neck and stole my purse? Wouldn't you have a magistrate then? <laughs>
3: He's like, what if somebody raped me? Wouldn't you have a magistrate? So, anyways, it's
7: kind of like Sean and I always tell people, like when you're going into court and you're dealing with these things, you, you don't take no for an answer. You know, hey, take my paperwork. Uh, you won't take my paperwork. What if I put it in this nice envelope and send it over that way? You still won't take it? Well, what if I ask the bailiff to come over here and hand it to you? I'm sure he will. You still won't take it? Well, what if I get a remote-controlled car and drive it up on the podium? You know, you have to come up with very creative ways of exercising your rights and expressing that you're exercising your rights. And then if they run over four or five examples, just call them out. Be like, sir, ma'am, woman are you taking away my right to do whatever it is you're going to do? So with this mentality, you know, uh, of course the woman is not happy that she doesn't have her friend back who's going to take care of her. So I'm like, well, let's call the sheriff. Number <laughs> right here, we'll say they ran out of magistrates and they should go find one. Because <laughs> that... <laughs> And Sean, so so, you want to take
3: over from here? Yeah, well, in the meantime, I would struck up a conversation with the female officer that actually took this gentleman into jail. And we were talking, and I'm like, yeah, I was a, I used to be a cop in Tennessee, and, and we were just having kind of a nice conversation. She goes, what are you guys still doing here? And basically, I said, well, we're trying to find a magistrate, but it appears you guys ran out of them. And she's like, what are you talking about? Did you go down to the sheriff's department? I'm like, look, I said, I'm actually surprised you didn't get a call on us already, and it wasn't... It wasn't 10 seconds later. Her radio squawked. Hey, there's a bunch of good people up here looking for a magistrate. We told them that we don't have one on duty right now. And so she just starts smiling at me. Well, she gets out of the car, and she goes over and starts talking to John and this lady. And then that's when all of the other cops that had run into the building decided suddenly that they were going to come outside because they all come and stood right around us. And uh, they started running tags and stuff, and I challenged one of them on that, and I told him you can't do that. He said, What are you talking about? I said, You can't just go running his tag for no reason. He goes, I'm just getting the tag no road down. I said, No, you're trying to do an NCIC check. And I said, You can't do that. I said, He hasn't committed a crime, brother. You're opening an investigation. I said, You can't do that. And uh, with that, there was this like six foot, eight hundred tall cop that started putting his rubber leather gloves on because he was getting ready to have a conversation with me. And, um, you know we were surrounded, we were polite the whole time, but you know essentially what it boils down to is we've just come to a point in history where there's um there's particular gurus on on air, and certain people are sharing paperwork and The thing about paperwork is pretty interesting it's incredibly important um It's imperative that you get it correct, but it's really only about 5% of what you're doing. But a lot of people are trying to cut, copy, and paste things like the legal society does. And this is where the tests are coming in. Um, You know, this is the thing with all the different people, because all the cases are the same, but they are all different. Um, But you can't cut and copy and paste beliefs. You know, everybody's got a little bit different belief, right? Uh, They read different styles of authors and study different subject matters and things. So you're going to come across with a unique perspective on it, and you're going to put your own little signature on it. And I can tell you in my federal case, and a guy that we've been helping, he went to a federal court case today, and I actually told him one of the things that the judge was going to say to him is, hey, we've seen this paperwork, buddy, and everyone that uses it goes to jail, because that's exactly what he said to me. And all these little things and these little tweaks that they do, and that reminds me, John, i got to talk to you about something that he had told me. Um, they're they're going to check every piece of paper, and they're going to test you. Sometimes they just fly out a lie to you and act like the paperwork is stupid and it's not going to do any good when it's tearing the place apart. Um, you've got to know who you are and what you're doing, or... Uh, you're going to get hammered. Um, you can't. This cut co- copy paste thing isn't going to work very, very often. Right. Um, maybe in certain situations, but not most anymore. I have a question.
8: Uh,
3: hey, yeah.
8: Hey, Someone so, in
6: the audience is asking, JC. Did you go to court today?
7: Uh, yes. Yes, I did. I, Which? I, what happened? Um, Sean and I take a pretty active stance not to talk about active cases on radio shows because we've we've noticed a common theme in the past and that is when people get on and start talking about active cases they tend to get hammered and so just out of respect any case that we talk about is closed.
1: Okay. Yeah. so Unless an active that person case, wants to then... talk about it. I I will say
7: that it went really, really well. I'll say that much. Um, But beyond that, you're just going to have to wait until the case is closed. But I will finish up what happened uh, with my buddy. So anyways, it became really apparent that we weren't going to get a magistrate that night. And so I ended up convincing his wife, hey, let me just take you home, and I'll bring you back here at 830 in the morning when they open and we'll start laying more pressure on them, because that's one of the things that people really got to do, okay? Like, people take a stand, and then they get ran over, and then everybody throws up their hands, and they're like, oh, I'm going to give up, okay? You can't do that. You have to stay on top of these people. And uh, I'll tell a funny story later where I actually learned that lesson from, but... <clears throat> Three days later, Sean and I go back in to open the court because we had a, a time and a date set up, and they were supposed to have a magistrate ready for us, and, you know, we had a room. We had everything set up the way it was supposed to be, and I actually believe that that audio. He went down was... on a bone. I actually believe that audio is on Gus's talk shoe. I believe it's yeah. Um, where we're talking to the magistrate and it's about a it's really good I would suggest that people go listen to it um, but they deny Gus, what's the,
6: wait a minute wait a minute Gus what's the call ID on your call on your phone on your
9: call my uh, my call uh, my talk show is 134084 and it's episode 115 where I uploaded uh, that conversation that he's talking about.
6: Okay, I just put it in the chat also. All right, another All thing right. is... uh so that's one three four zero one three four zero eight four. 134084? Correct. Yep. Episode 115. Okay, got it. It's
7: in the chat. Go ahead. Okay. okay, so kind of interesting, you know, we, like Sean and I actually gave that as a gift to people kind of coming out to say, hey, here we are. And, uh, you know, some people weren't very appreciative of that gift, kind of like some people don't ever hit the donate button. And for people like Sean and myself, like, I personally don't do anything besides this, and I solely live on donations, okay? So if you're not donating, um, I'm, I'm not eating. Anyway listen to that audio, a couple of people brought up, well, see, y'all didn't open up your court of record. Yeah, you're right. They did not open up a court of law that particular day, okay? On that day at that particular place, they did not open a court of law, which is why people are hearing the audio because they did something bad, they did something wrong. What people don't hear on the audio is that that man was released from jail uh, later that afternoon. And that's why they didn't open the court, is because they were going to release him from jail. They weren't going to have anybody testify in an open court of law that day. Um, And I'd like to stick
3: this in there. He was supposed to be in jail for 30 days and go to a facility, right? Was it 30 or 40 days?
7: Up to 60 days where he would be... uh, at the mental institution, not jail. And um, so, but the judge uh, reversed his order. He changed his order within 24 hours. And they drove a man from about 60 miles away to come and give him a psychological evaluation right there in the jail to get him out that day. power of having, you know, multiple eyes, multiple witnesses having multiple people who know exactly what they're talking about, you know, calling in and complaining and saying, hey, you're holding this man and it's not right. It's not right. Let him go. I think that's about the end of that story. (laughs) But it's a pretty good story.
3: I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, it took it takes the knowledge, it takes being tenacious and long-suffering, patient. Uh, You gotta have a pair of nads because they will try to scare the living piss out of you. Um, They're going to use intimidation because once you get past law and honor, all you have is tyranny. Um, And we recently got some information from another court on another issue that uh, gave us some hope, because we were actually worried that maybe we were reaching that point of complete lawlessness, where a lot of people feel we already are, but we don't really believe that. Um, what we do believe is that it's going to be a really, really hard struggle, not a fight. There's nothing to fight, guys. If you have something, it's like, um, in my humble opinion, reserving your rights. How can you reserve something? That'd be like you owning a restaurant calling that restaurant to reserve the table. Um, There's nothing to reserve. It's yours. So learning who and what you are and then being willing to stand by that till the death and then having the love for your fellow man to go support him in that decision and being a good witness and uh, holding these people accountable through honor. Um, Because ultimately, they do things like go to church or... Uh, the Ruotan meetings or restaurants and family members and all these other things and they don't really want their name drugged through the mud where they look like horrible people and all the people around them start figuring out that maybe they're not doing the thing that they said that they would do. That's the kind of pressure that you can lay and that's a lot better than violence.
7: Hey, Angela, are there are there any other questions? Or anybody I don't with
6: see their any. hands? Uh, I mean, I, I don't see any. If anybody wants to ask a question, press star 8. Oh, there we go. Um, Liberty SPG, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. You have a question?
10: Thank you. This is uh, Peter from Pennsylvania. Ex- Hi, Pennsylvania. Peter. Hello. Um, Quick question for you. Um, When you challenge dur- jurisdiction, I mean, when the, when a court asks you to plead guilty or not guilty, there's, in essence, trying to get jurisdiction over you. Now, when you, when you challenge that jurisdiction, are you doing that by the notices, or do you have to verbally say that or write that in a notice that you it the jurisdiction?
7: Basically, we make it pretty much a rule of thumb not to write down some type of, like motion of jurisdiction challenge uh, whenever you're challenging jurisdiction you're not necessarily saying that you're challenging jurisdiction. Um, you declare that they don't have certain qualities that qualify the jurisdiction. Um, and when they answer that declaration off, uh proving how they establish jurisdiction then just established on the record so but I mean really simply it's kind of like uh, Sean was talking about the birth certificate earlier and we've all seen people talk about the social security number and the citizen of the United States like all of these different persons and when you write like a notice of appearance and you're appearing at court or before court or however you wish to write that notice, and you say, I am man, who appear, who manifests, at, around, before, front of, um, you know, court, whatever you wish to write, then that right there is a jurisdictional challenge in and of itself. Okay, yeah,
3: that's what I thought. Yeah, sometimes you—it's like we always say, never and you know, try never to a- answer the question they ask you. Always answer the question you wish they'd asked you. Hey, was... say that again. <laughs> a lot of times you try to answer the question you wish they'd asked you instead of answering the question that they did ask. Like, um, gosh, today's would have been a perfect example of that court case. But like,
7: oh, I was thinking about it, man.
3: Yeah, I don't. But it's like, do you understand what? I'm, that's still Peter, right? This guy from last night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're, because you don't understand what they're writing, right? I mean, you got to think about that in a lot of situations. But you're also not, you can comprehend it, and they know you're not an idiot, even though you should be. So you've got to figure out ways to answer things without answering them. So if they're saying you're a U.S. citizen, you don't start arguing that you're not and why. You can just say, I am man, and then the burden of proof is on who to prove you're not? And how are they going to prove you're not standing there in front of them? I mean, what, are you going to say, I'm not here? Right, yeah. You know, but you you don't have to sit there and argue the citizenry thing. I mean, look. The reality is there's one way to become a citizen, one way. You have to go into a court, and you have to swear allegiance to the United States, and then that's a court record. People say, "Well, oh, I was born in the United States. Not if you're in Virginia or Tennessee or your mama's belly. Um, You know, they get kind of chasing the rabbit just if you just you you're trying to get across your point of view and that's what so like like he was saying with the jurisdictional challenge if you if you're a man only man then you can't be a driver or a defendant or a respondent or a citizen you see so you're really answering the question you wish they'd asked you which is are you man or a citizen oh I'm a man
10: yeah i got that i was just uh... I don't know, some people will say that they're challenging the jurisdiction or whatnot, and and it it seems like, from what I've been listening to you guys and studying this stuff, it's just making that declaration of you being a man that you're basically challenging the jurisdiction without saying it. Yeah.
7: Yeah, you are. Um, But the thing is, is, in your particular case, you should probably go back to Gus's call a week ago where we gave you some really good ideas on the answer of that. Um, And unless we're getting paid, we're not going to keep going over the same thing over and over and over again. If your paperwork is correct, this is something that uh, Sean and I tell everybody before they go into court. If your paperwork is correct and your logic is correct, it does not matter what the judge says. It does not matter what the prosecutor says. It does not matter what the officer getting up on the stand says. What matters is what you say. That's all that matters in the room, okay? And a great example of this is when Gus caught his gun charge, and he went in there. Is, is, that, is that the point, Gus? Gus, you want, you want to tell everybody about that experience for those who don't know?
9: Yeah, I, I guess... Uh... I was out about three in the morning. I just finished breakfast. I was giving somebody a ride, and uh, we got pulled over because I failed to use uh, my left-hand turn signal. And it was not in the nicest part of town, but it's the only place to get something I'd like to eat at 1 a.m. on on uh, at the end of Mother's Day. And so uh, that's where we were. And when they pulled us over, the guy that I was with apparently got nervous and stuck his gun behind my seat. I never saw him do it and I never saw the gun, but they found a gun and it's the same thing. Yeah, it was a, it was a 45, uh, a silver and black 45, which I'd seen on his hip for three or four years. So yeah, I'm assuming it was his, but, uh, as a convicted felon from 2004, they were trying to press that against me, uh, you know, which would have given me, I don't know, you know, maybe seven years in uh, in prison is probably what they were trying to give me. But you know, I I had a conversation with the detectives uh, the morning of my bail hearing and told them, you know, I I'm required to know who the man is that says I do well. And when the uh, when I went for my bail hearing, I stood before the judge and he said that, you know, I'm going to set the bail at five thousand. Do you have anything to say? I said, well. Uh, you know, I, I talked to the detectives, and they told me that there's no man uh, saying I do wrong, so I don't know why you're even setting bail. I, you know, I should be getting out of here. You know, and that's it. There's, there's nothing to press on. And so I made bail a couple of days later, put some paperwork into the county re, county recorder's office. I mean, the uh, county prosecutor's office, letting him know that I was going to court next week in a district court, and that I was going to recommend uh, that I was. You know, I told the I was telling the judge of the district court that I wanted everything forwarded to the county prosecutor's office so we could go before the grand jury. And uh, the reason I wanted to do that is the chief of police is bearing false, false witness against me uh, with that ticket. And uh, so the hearing—it's on uh, my my YouTube channel, Gus uh, Breton. But basically, uh, at that hearing. The cop, his name was Jerry Maguire, which is kind of cool, and he, he was, you know, he said his thing, and, and and the prosecutor said, you know, his thing, and I did my thing. You know, I I stayed on my side of the fence. I mean, I, I walked through the bar. I never sat down. I stood there. I was counting ceiling tiles. I was looking at the back door. I was waiting. I was looking for the man that says I do wrong. And the the, the place was packed with cops and defendants and attorneys. It was a it was a, a preliminary. Uh, not a preliminary, a uh, probable cause hearing day. And everybody there was for probable cause. And so those are all felons, all felony charges that they were uh, charged with. And if you listen to the recording, I, you know, they, they tried to get, they did their thing and I ignored them and I did my thing. I you know, I wish to know who's, who's charging me, who's laying claim against me. Where's the man that says I do wrong. And, Every time I thought, I had written just a few things on a little three-by-five card, and basically it was my notices in shorthand. And uh, so I repeated the stuff that was in my notices. I'm a man. Uh, I'm here to, to remain in honor and to settle whatever controversies before the court, and I require to face my accuser. Bring the plaintiff in and let's get going. And I just kept hammering on that point, and uh, the following week, the judge did what I asked him to do, which is to send it over to the county prosecutor's office, and uh, they just dropped it. You know, they, they didn't... Because uh, I called I called Dennis Hogan, the, the county prosecutor. He was a pretty decent guy. Uh, I, I've i met him a few times uh, while he was campaigning. And I had, you know, told him flat out, if you go before the grand jury with this, you know, you better take me with me. You better take me with you because... I'm planning on pressing charges against uh, David Mara, the chief of police, for bearing false witness against me. And so you just listening to the audio, but, uh, you know, every time I spoke to him, I, I spoke to him man to man. I never spoke to him as a person or as a defendant. I was just a man looking to stay in honor.
10: It's kind of interesting you said that because I just watched that video before the show started on mm-hmm. YouTube.
3: Yeah. yeah, and did you hear what he did? Like, oh, yeah. every time they asked him a question, he answered the question he wished they'd asked him.
7: Right, right, yeah, yeah. All right? Yep. And just so that everybody knows, whenever Sean and I have somebody that we're working with on something criminal, we always send them Gus's video. Tell them to watch <laughs> Which, um, what,
10: what's
6: the title of that video on YouTube?
10: It's I, semicolon. Man in question marks. Then it's uh, it says require court of record um, colon trial by jury by way of the American common law.
6: Require court of record.
10: Right, and it goes trial by jury by way of the American common law. If you want, yeah. I, then I could email a link, some you know wherever.
6: Yeah, yeah. By way of a common law, did you say?
10: By way of American common law.
9: I'll I'll put a link into the
6: uh, chat, Angela. Okay. Well, there I just Angela. a This is Sean. A couple of people with their hands up, by the way, but when you're ready, let me know. Yeah, let
3: me just – I just want to say this one thing. Like on one of our very first shows, an example we like to give is how they teach, you know, on my understanding, how they teach bank tellers to – distinguish or differentiate a counterfeit from the original they don't they don't spend a lot of time studying the uh, counterfeits what they do is they study the original so well that they recognize the counterfeit so one of the things that we notice a lot with people we help there's a there's a two words what if but what if the judge does this or what if the prosecutor says this but what if this guy says this or what if that And uh, just yesterday, I just looked at the guy, and I said, well, let me ask you a question. If I came into a room and I told you that you were a girl named Rhonda and not really a guy named blank, would you believe me? And he said, well, no. I said, well, what if I said that, uh, you know, your your name was this and you were really this? And I just went through this kind of, you know, couple, three things, and he's like, no, of course not. I'm like, then why why do you respond to a citizen or a defendant or a respondent? Brother, you don't have to be one of those. You don't have to be one of those unless you consent. And they only get their power from what? The consent of the governed. So you have to remember these basic things. You learn who you are. You don't have to learn who they are. You don't even have to learn what they believe. It's a benefit to do that. But the real thing is you just got to know who you are. And and that's the way you can go. I mean, both John and I are high school dropouts. I have a GED, and so does John. Like, we didn't go to, we didn't finish up that and all that stuff Um, we learned what we needed to learn and we got out Um, and we've done okay for ourselves but you know Mm -hmm. you you just learn who you are is basically what I'm getting at and that really comes down to answering the question you wish they'd asked you because you're staying staying in your thing in your zone not theirs
6: that's what I say I always say you know only you can determine your status not them but anyway we've got a couple of hands up you want to uh, no. Take some questions, or do you want to continue? Whatever you want to do.
7: Well, just one second. And we can take some questions. Just for the record, I dropped okay. out of high school and got my GED so that I could get into college faster. High school's kind of a joke. And yeah, uh, I just want to read one thing, and then we'll start taking some questions. Common law under the word common. In the Webster's 1828 dictionary, says the law in Great Britain and the United States, unwritten law. It's the unwritten law because it's on your heart, okay? It's in your mind, it's not written down anywhere. Law that receives its binding force, immemorial usage, and universal reception, in distinction from the written statute law, okay? Most people believe that the written law is the statute law but it says or statute law. Written law is case law. Case law is written down and it's saved in, in uh, the decisions of the courts and in the records of the courts. That body of rules, principles and customs which have been received from our ancestors and by which courts have been governed in their judicial decisions, so the courts are governed by the common law, by the law of rights, uh, natural law if you will. The evidence of this law is to be found in the reports of those decisions and the records of the courts. So right there it tells you that only the evidence of this law can be found in case law. This law itself cannot be found in case law because it's written on your heart. It's written on your soul. It's written on your mind. Some of these rules may have originated in edicts or statutes which are now lost or in uh, the terms and conditions of particular grants or charters and just as an example of this, I think it was 1362 or something, um, they had a Pleadings in English Act and the Pleadings and English Act was basically where the English people got so upset that the legal society was taking their property and using Latin and they couldn't understand what they were saying that they were ready to go to war over it. And so they had a pleadings in English Act and that's where the idea comes from that you have to understand the language of the court and the court has to understand you. So if you speak a different language other than English then you can go and write everything in Chinese. You can write it in Russian. In fact, I helped a woman in court the other month who wrote everything in Russian, okay, because she was from Russia and she got her child back in four days, okay. Um, But it is most probable that many of them originated in judicial decisions mounted on natural justice and equity or on local customs. And right there where it says originated in judicial decisions founded on natural justice, that right there tells you that if case law is not founded on natural justice, it's not common law, it's not real law. And uh, yeah, we can take questions now.
6: Okay. I had to um, mute out your buddy there. There you go. because there was a lot of noise coming in. But the first one, let's see here. Maria, 2015, you've been unmuted.
0: Hi, Angela. Thank you for all your good work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you.
6: Thank Um, you. I appreciate you, too.
0: (laughs) I have just a really basic question about offer and acceptance and um, in the situation of a traffic stop where... um, troopers pulled over somebody and they They asked him for his driver's license traveling so they went back to the car and I guess called in a few other people and came back to the car try to give him the business and just said no I'm just traveling and the other couple troopers left and they filled out some paperwork and pushed it through his window to him.
6: Whoops. I'm sorry. Am I muted? I'm sorry.
0: No. There we go. Go ahead.
6: I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> um, they pushed the paperwork, the tickets. They wrote out three tickets. And he called and the asked, should I have accepted those? And do you have an opinion on that?
7: <coughs> well, I mean, I would say... I mean, there's many different ways of uh, handling the same situation. So uh, one thing is I feel like saying that you're traveling in today's time, uh, you know, that's all over YouTube. Every cop knows to kind of look out for that. I would just ask them, like, if they asked me for my driver's license and I really didn't wish to give it to them, i just ask them if they're going to use that against me in a court of law. Um, But in that particular situation, if he did not accept it, and it's pretty obvious that he was refusing, um, well, they basically made him take it while they were armed. Uh, And I would just make copies of the tickets and mail them to the court clerk and explain what happened, like, hey, this, this armed man came up and gave me these tickets and summons me to court. Uh, I did not accept the offer, and I wish for this to be a part of the record.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, thanks and too. you can
3: sign it N.A. too, not a SumpSit. Like, you not just a put N.A. and then sign your name.
7: Yeah. Okay. yeah oh, but. Thanks, guys. It sounded like they just pushed it through the window. So it sounded like he didn't even sign it anyways. No, uh uh-uh. So I I will actually talk about this uh, case that happened one time because it's over. And uh, somebody I knew, um, lo and behold, got caught with marijuana. Uh, Imagine that. (laughs) Anyways, they called me up, and the officer was at their house, Uh, with a warrant of arrest for somebody who wasn't there and basically forced their way into the house, saw an ounce of marijuana, um, wrote them a ticket, and then wrote down their phone number in case he wanted to rat somebody out and get the ticket taken away. So when we were writing the paperwork to the court, we made a photocopy of the ticket and um, just wrote, like, pointed to the officer's number, and uh, just wrote, is this extortion? And on the cover letter, uh, it basically said the story that was going on. And, of course, they said, wrote them back and said, hey, don't bother coming in. Um, we're just going to go ahead and throw this out.
5: Hey, JC,
7: uh,
9: there's, I've been hearing a lot of people who um, – the you know, a, a cop will show up at the door and and knock and say, "I'm looking for so and so. I heard they were here in your house, and I'm going to search the house." And uh,
1: they, you know, no, they're, you're not.
9: they're they're standing at your door, and and you tell them, "Well, you know, you got a warrant." And they say, "I don't need a warrant. It's uh, it's a you know a body only warrant. You know, uh, it, it's a body only warrant. I don't have a search warrant." Um,
7: Yeah, I I think I get what you're putting down. And here's how it breaks down, okay? Even with a search warrant, they have to describe what parts of the property are going to be searched and what they expect to find, okay? So if they write out a search warrant and they say, we expect to find, you know, over an ounce of marijuana, and they find an ounce of cocaine, that's... uh, that's bad proof, like, because they didn't have that information. So, obviously, they didn't have a good source of information to obtain that warrant. Now, well,
9: when they're, when, they're, when they're searching for somebody, they're not, they're not doing a search. You know, they're claiming it's a body-only warrant.
7: I, well, I, here, and I was okay. about to get to that, okay? So, when they have a search warrant, or not a search warrant, when they have a warrant for somebody's arrest, for their actual body, then they have to have a cop or somebody who actually saw the man or the woman that they have a warrant for enter the premise, okay? to have eyes on the house, and they cannot leave eyes. You know, they can't take eyes off of that house until they get the warrant down there and, uh, you know, basically show it. And just as a rule of thumb for anybody, if a cop knocks on your door, think of them like a vampire, okay? If you open the vampire in, the vampire can do whatever he wants to do to you, all right? Just leave the door closed, leave the door locked. Tell them if they have to, they can kick it in, okay? But you will not open. You do not consent. And if they go and get a warrant, you require a secured bond with that. So, and if they I talk about that. going and getting a warrant, go ahead and call the magistrate's office and be like, hey, I believe that, you know, cops are on their way up there right now to get a search warrant. So, I require that you put a million-dollar secured bond with that for any damage that happens to the property. Um and this is another case. Sean, do you want to talk about that case with that particular night or
3: Um you're gonna to have to refresh me.
7: Um you remember that night I got the call from our little from uh you know Oh uh, oh, oh
3: oh 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 way on the west coast. Yeah. Yeah, he had um and just let me let me Digress for a second with Gus Gus, if they're chasing a fleeing felon, um they can argue they like they're in you know foot pursuit, he runs into a house, they visibly see him run in there they can and he's a threat to uh the public, which obviously if he's breaking into a house that he doesn't live in, they can enter then, and the only yeah. thing they can do is apprehend that guy but. They can't just show up at a house and say, "We think he's in there," and just come in. No, they can't. They can say it, but they're not. They're not going to do that. And a good cop wouldn't do that anyway. So
9: what's the what's the, what's the quickest answer for that?
3: Quickest answer: You don't open the door.
9: Well, I know that I know. people people open the door all the time.
3: Well, then they should not. Because yeah, I mean, that's the <laughs> quickest answer. You don't open the door of somebody you don't know. That's the first thing you tell your kids is don't talk to strangers. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't. The thing is, is they're going to try and use every means at their disposal verbally to try to get in. Threat, coercion, intimidation. We're going to get a warrant. Say, fine. Go get a warrant. When I was a cop, I used to have people tell me they were going to sue me all the time. I said, great, get in line. You know, <laughs> when you do it, I'll believe it until then whatever um it's and it and it really is cuz a lot of times they're bluffing anyway and uh but but John's right they they're, they're going to have to have somebody with eyes on that house saying that the perp's in there and then you know they got to keep eyes in the house they can't just go going in any house they wish and and the easy answer is you don't answer the door and if they kick the door in then you just open your own action you go after them, especially if the guy ain't in there that they're looking for. Um, the uh, thing that John asked me to talk about, we've actually done this twice. One was a little bit more intense. The other one was just kind of fun. Uh,
6: okay, but let me he, mention before you get started there, we've got three people with their hands up waiting to ask questions. So, just so you know, but go ahead. When John, ready, you want to we'll take the like questions?
3: questions? You want to take the questions first, and then if we have time, get to that story?
7: Well, I'll just run through the story real quick. Basically, a buddy of mine called me up at 6.30 in the evening, and a DEA uh, task force officer came up and talked to him. It was clear that they were going to go get a warrant. He called down to the magistrate, required that they send a bond, and they all pulled off. Um, We can take questions. What's this, Dave? What were they
3: going after? Well, I thought you wanted me to go into it, man. Sorry. Yeah, but we got questions to answer. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You
7: know what they were looking for, Angela? I don't yeah. mean to, like, cut you off. I, all I know is that this man called me. Uh, the DEA task force was there. They were talking to him. I could hear them over the Bluetooth that he had on. And uh, as soon as that guy walked away, I told him to run into the house, lock the door, and... Um, Two officers pulled off. One stayed there to keep the eyes on the house, and I told him to call down to the magistrate's office and require um, a bond to accompany a search warrant if they were getting a search warrant for that house. And the uh, other officer pulled off a couple hours later. They never came with a search warrant. They would have.
6: Well, I'm wondering if it was a murder charge, if they would have st- instead. Uh, it, it was- I mean, if it was just like a... Hot or something? You know, they're not going to risk it. But would they just go in if it was some like if they thought the guy committed murder? Uh, or do you think they still would have backed off with the well, threat of
7: you know, them if, having if, to
6: get a bond?
7: If somebody committed murder, um, then I believe that they should be arrested. You know? Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, like so that that's kind of a different thing. It, it was the DEA. They they were basically looking for drugs. Um, okay. so, so it's but,
6: not worth their yeah I gotcha
7: if somebody commits okay. violent crime man you know that's where cops and their jobs and you know the legal society that's where that stuff actually comes into good use uh,
6: Well, usually it's the cops doing the shooting but we won't go there um, money Mike has got a question go ahead Mike you've been unmuted
3: yeah hello hello yeah, sorry for the background noise. I'll try to keep it to a minimum. My question okay. actually is for Gus. My question actually is for Gus. Um, hey, since J.C. Uh, and Shaman did their uh, big reveal, as they uh, said they would, uh, good job, by the way, guys. Uh, what of the possibility maybe you – or if you wish to save this for another call with Angela, uh, maybe you do your because you've been talking about wanting to do this too, do your own little big reveal uh, about Carl Lentz.
9: I did that. I did that. Uh, it's on Josiak's do- do- G- uh I mean, uh, on his it's YouTube that, channel. It's on what? It's, it's on. Uh, you got stepped on. It, it's on it do- G- uh, uh, YouTube channel. It, it, if you go on YouTube and, and you look at uh Gus calls out, or Gus flips on Carl, or Gus finally flips on Carl, or something like that. It's on YouTube already.
3: Yeah, it's Gus finally flips on Carl. Okay, I'm done, Angela. Thank you.
6: <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Okay, next next up is uh, Nuke Welder. Hello, hello. Hello. Charles, hi. Uh,
2: hi. So I had a That's question. Still. I'm sorry. I got in late on the call, and uh we're doing our our work we've done you know common law writs, minimis and different issues trying to come back on cases that are six years old and most recently the uh, I got a couple of traffic tickets and from two thousand and twelve so we we went after it from different angles. the most recent one is using the uh, the so called ticket and putting it before the court to make the court determine whether or not that it's a, a valid compl- whether or not the complaint states facts upon which that they could uh, have a cause of action so it seems similar i mean i'm i'm uh, I have a fair background in common law, but just curious about what your approach is on on a after the fact void judgment challenging the complaint as being insufficient on its face
3: you really don't um what you would have to do is go back and reopen the case and then just you could ask a basic thing you don't want to go with the rule 12b thing and i kind of sense that's what you did
2: no i didn't no okay well the way you were saying
3: it the simple way would be to to go back if it's a judgment and uh Void the judgment because there was no accuser. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean that's, that's exactly. the simple so, answer.
2: Well, there was an there there was a, a, an accuser called called the people of the state. Right? That's not an
3: accuser, brother.
2: Okay, then if there's if they're going to say that, uh, well, I understand that 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 that's not the name of a guy, right? A man who said that. Right. There's no. Freeway.
3: That means there's no accuser. Yeah. Hey, yeah I ma'am.
7: agree with that. So, an accuser, uh, Hey, just to answer this for everybody on the call, an accuser is somebody that you actually did wrong to. You actually caused them harm, injury, or loss. An officer of the state who's writing you a ticket for from the people of that state, he's just a witness, not an accuser. Right? right? Well, that's
2: that's why when you come back on the, uh, using the, in California, it's uh, a motion for void judgment, uh, 473D, saying that the complaint is insufficient. Now, it can be insufficient for a number of reasons, but it has to have a short plain statement of the jurisdiction of the court. That's where you have to have the accuser, right?
3: It has to have all
2: the elements of, of what an actual complaint would be that includes an injured party that includes that the court has jurisdiction over the issue, which in this case they claim is criminal. However, there's no criminal statement on there. There's just a statement, a uh, conclusory statement that you violated a statute. Which <clears throat> So anyway, I just want to get your take on it, because we're going to yeah, have that hearing on Thursday, and that's when I'm going to find out what they have to say about it.
3: And none of those things you mentioned are actually in law. Um, and when you're talking about the complaint and everything you're saying, that's essentially failure to state a claim, whereby which relief can be granted a claim and a complaint are two different things. Statements are not claims. Witnesses are not claims. There is no they. Um, so the problem is is they have no case because there's no accuser. So you've got to go back all the way. Like, again, you know, ask the question that you wish they'd ask you. So all these other things are rabbits you're chasing. Like you don't need to know all those things. The only thing you need to know is who you are and who's the man that said I did wrong. Um, the uh, again, one of the most wonderful examples is Gus's video that we mentioned earlier. They just you you don't even object to what they're doing. You don't challenge them. You let them do whatever they're gonna do in their world. They're gonna proceed with their world, but their world doesn't mean anything in the world of man. And um I know it may sound like that isn't true, but all you have to do is listen to Gus's video and there's your evidence that it's absolutely true.
2: Well let me let me say that and not to argue with you, I mean I agree with that in principle. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. there is there is a judgment in the court that was rendered, and now by by the rule that they call it res judicata, then the state comes to collect the money from you by uh, making a, uh, what do they call it, by attaching your wages, and if Mm -hmm. you sue the state and say, hey, you can't do that, the state comes back and say, not only can we do it, we have a duty to do it, because there's a good judgment in that court, and until that judgment is made void, uh, we're not only required, we're required to do it. Okay. So
8: right,
2: honestly, I'll say
8: it again.
7: Hey, wait just a minute. Okay. Hon- honestly, if if I were the attorney taking um, a suit, like, go- like somebody came back and sued the state uh, for basically doing what you were talking about, um, and they were trying to move that as a common law action, not only would I get the ju- judgment upheld but I would probably get you sanctioned and fined in some kind of way um, for abuse of the legal process because you can't sue a state in a common law action. The state doesn't actually exist. A common law action is only man against man, it's not man against state, it's not man against corporation. It's not corporation man, well, it's well, not state against man.
2: I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, sorry I got interrupted here. Yeah, I didn't sue the state. I sued the state. Uh, I sued the state. Uh, Selvi Stanislaus herself, who claims to be the chief officer, the, the executive officer of the tax collection department of the state of California. Uh,
7: okay, so you you sued the executive officer of the state of California. I sued her in her official capacity, yeah. Okay, well, if you're suing her in her official capacity, her official capacity, fiction of the imagination, the exact same rule applies. Well, then it wasn't her that did it, was it? It was not her that did it. It was the official capacity that did it, and the official capacity does not really exist.
2: Nevertheless, that's the, that's the claimed authority under which that, that they did the...
7: The, uh,
2: the, the seizure of the money based upon... I know it's a... Ma- you know, but I, what I'm saying is is that, okay, if you're going to say that, that you have to sue a person... Well, I did sue a person.
7: Her name's Selby not Hey, I'm not... Wait, uh, right? so, well, wait, wait. How would you do it? Well, see, you got to sue a man or a woman, okay? And when you're going after a man or a woman who acts as a state official... You better mm-hmm. have a really good reason. Okay, like if you go after them because they made some judgment on a traffic ticket, they are gonna laugh that out of court so fast it's not even funny. The entire way that I learned the process from front to back Get and a out, rope. go yeah. all the way was because I was <laughs> who whited out numbers on a contract and replaced them something that benefited him more. And they told me, basically, go pound salt, all right? And that's why I stuck at it, kept going, and know what I know now. And if they're willing to do that for an attorney who really did something wrong, they're definitely going to throw out something like traffic tickets and going after a state official. And this is where uh, somebody that we were talking about, Earlier this evening, who won't be named, but his initials are KL, he's really getting people hurt and messed up because he's telling everybody, go, go file the claim. One, two is I'm done. One, two is I'm done. And all these people are going out and they're filing claims, and honestly, it's making our side look really bad.
2: Right. Uh, I didn't do that also, but, but I, uh, my original question was, if you have a ticket that you, that's been judged against you in a traffic case, then what remedy would you apply as common law versus the remedy that I'm applying, which is 473D, motion for vo- void judgment under the statute?
7: Okay, as soon as you go for 4WDV or whatever that is, you just gave the judge jurisdiction and he absolutely has the right to use his judicial discretion, Um, Judges, statutes do not apply to judges, judges act in law, Uh, they do not have to go by statutes, attorneys have to go by statutes and that's why attorneys can only act at law. A judge has to act in law and if you listen pretty carefully earlier, Sean pretty much explained it. He said that you have to take it back to the original action. You have to go back and reopen the original action and challenge jurisdiction. And I thought about it and we agree with ourselves. That's probably how I would do it too. Well that is what this is, by the way. It's a challenge
2: to the jurisdiction of the court because there is no there's no complaint before the court upon which that they can act.
7: But as, because as soon as you're no thrown in that and that uh, legal language, and are you licensed to act as an attorney? Let me just. I'm licensed to act okay. as my own attorney. You're licensed to act as your own attorney? In that I don't need one, that's correct. Okay, well, as soon as you start acting like your own attorney, there's a saying in the, in the legal profession, and that is only a fool would represent himself. Because as soon as you act as your own attorney, a turn means to hand over goods or services from one lor- lord to another. E-Y, the suffix E-Y, means the act of doing or characterized by. So when you act as your own attorney, you are literally a turning yourself over to the court instead of the father who has secured your rights for you. And, right. Uh,
2: well, I uh, disagree with a couple of things you said there, but I'm not here to take over your call, so... Uh, I'll just leave it at that, but, it, you know, uh, I appreciate your guys' perspective and that you're doing the hard work, too. So you're, if you're in the courts and you're helping people, then, uh, you know, uh, I just want to give you guys uh, props for that and say, you know, good job. And we appreciate, appreciate your help.
7: Uh, thank you, and we we appreciate yeah. your questions. Um, and it actually brings up a really good point for Sean and I. We were actually talking about this the other day because help people out all the time who basically uh, go go down a rabbit trail of legalese that, you know, they're following someone else's research of the legal language and the legal society and they're putting in paperwork with codes and statutes and this and that. And you know, basically we told them, look, if If you're going to go that route, if you're going to go the legal route and the code route and the statutory route and all of that stuff, like go hire a professional who went to college for it and who's licensed by the state uh, to use that stuff because you can't. I mean, even though you can act as your own attorney, you are not licensed to interpret codes and statutes. Um, I went to school. I understand what a complaint is. Wait, wait, wait. I went to school right? for law, and I understand that stuff pretty well, but I don't even pretend to act like I know it because, of, you know, whatever it is can always left up to the judicial discretion, and if you're going against the grain, if you're going against the system, they will always go against you.
2: Well, truth is truth, and if it's a yes or no question, then, uh, I, you know, Maybe maybe. I mean, it's going to have to be pretty blatant, right? Blatant. It's going to have to be a blatant lie to say that the document that we're looking at contains the things necessary in order for them to uh, bring me to court because it doesn't on its face. It's it's, on its face. It doesn't have the things required. Just like if you filed your action, it would not, and it it didn't have all the elements required for a common law action it would be insufficient on its face as well, and therefore then it doesn't give the court jurisdiction. They could throw it
7: out, right? When I file a common law action, I don't give the court jurisdiction at all. Uh, The court is not there. I mean, you have to actually surrender the jurisdiction to the court when you file a common law action. Otherwise, you're basically the judge until you pull in a jury,
2: but you still have to have an order when it's all said and done, and you can't write that order yourself. Oh, you absolutely It has, it, it can. has to be done it has to be done by
7: a judicial officer, right? Call the judge. Uh, it not it you. has to be signed by a judicial officer. But Thank you. the jury to rule in your favor, you can absolutely write the order yourself and have right. the judicial officer Well that, yeah, if you're right, that's not what I meant, but I mean you
2: write the order and the judge signs it. That's what makes it lawful. No, that's it's what an order. Makes it cool. That makes it like. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, I don't want to let other people talk, so I don't want to take up all your time. But but uh, keep up the good work, and I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. All right. Cheers. Thank
6: you. Okay. Let's see here. Next up is non-member. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. You've been unmuted. Non-member. Maybe you have a uh, mute button on your phone.
11: Now we can hear you.
6: Okay. I was. But we've got so a lot of I feedback. Are you on
11: the speakerphone? Well, yeah, there I was trying go. to understand and hear some of the stuff that was going on tonight. And uh, I understand one of the, the guys was a cop or ex-cop and has a couple of cases or something. Can, is there any way we can look it up on PACER so we can determine some of the actions that were being uh, addressed tonight? And in addition to that, who's this KL guy? KL? That's Carl. Oh,
6: oh.
11: well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> so confusing listening to some of the information going back and forth. And I was just trying to identify it because I was trying to find some credible information and so I to uh, properly look it up because when you guys talk, you guys talk with a lot of information. And so yeah. sometimes, you know we like to go back there's, and look it
9: up. There's uh there's a website where uh John and Sean, uh J C and Shaman have uh a webpage and
6: it's at it's at redressfordummies dot org.
9: And you can go to redress
11: I, I don't know your name, sir. Who who am I speaking with? Re, re,
6: it's redressfordummies.org. dot org.
9: Yes, this is the God. website. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. And at redressfordummies.org... dot org on the in the about section, you'll see about common law shamanism, and that's the information that J.C. and Shaman have put out as a study guide for people to get started with. At the bottom of that
11: page,
5: so is,
9: so is the well, shaman
11: guy? Is he the is he the cop or ex cop yeah. with the with the case? Yeah, his name is 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 uh, Sean Mann. That's his John name. Sean Mann. Yeah. So is he still a cop? Because we know once a cop, always a cop.
9: No, he's not still a cop. My email is at the bottom of, that, of every page, and okay. and um, you, you can get in touch with me. The can,
11: reverb on the phone.
9: Yeah, that's right. uh you can, you can find all the information you need there, and you can email me if you got any questions.
11: Okay, I still don't know who me is though. I didn't hear you. This this is Gus. Oh, Gus. Oh, okay. All right. So my
9: my, my email is at the bottom of every every one of those pages.
11: Okay, well, one of you guys addressed earlier in reference to a warrant, doesn't most warrants have to have a bond attached to them?
9: Sean, you want to take
5: that? JC? Um. And then
11: then if, if there's not a bond attached to the actual warrant, depending on if the public servant or the public official, I think some of you guys are using some of that jargon, uh, that should be associated with that warrant that goes to the body or to the property. Isn't that correct?
7: Okay. I was missing some of that, but does a bond have to be attached to a warrant? It does if you require it. It does not if you don't ask.
11: Um, I'm confused. If you what, don't, what do you mean it does not have to be attached? Any an administrative action happens to secure property, it should have some kind of leanable accountability or some kind of insurance attached behind it. Is that not correct?
7: It should if you ask for it.
11: If, if you I requ- ask
7: for it. Then, yes, you know. correct. If you do not require it, if you do not ask for it, they do not have to offer it up.
11: So, is there some particular language that's on the actual warrant itself that I should look at? What what if it was brackets on the warrant? What makes it valid or non valid? You know how they encase some of the warrants; they have the boxed-in type.
7: Um, I mean, without seeing paperwork in front of me, it, it's really hard to describe paperwork over the phone.
11: Oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. So, well, well let's curve that for a second. Well, you guys were talking about the I-man thing. What, what was that about, if you don't mind me asking?
7: What, the I-am-man?
11: I-something, comma, man, or you guys mentioned the I-man process. Isn't that a common law terminology that's executed by law? The L-O-R- you want me to get
9: into that? The, 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 the man You're either a man or you're a person. A person is somebody who's got an obligation or a duty to society to perform a specific function. God created can man. a man God, not
11: be a person? Can a man not choose to be whatever he wish?
9: A man can be whatever he wishes. And if he's in court and he wishes to be a okay. person known as a defendant or known as a driver or known as a farmer or known as a doctor, okay, he's always a man, but if he chooses to put on that costume, that, and identify himself as, you know, Billy the Kid or whatever, then, then he's taken on a persona. And in that persona, he loses okay. his immunity as a man to face his accuser. As a man, you have an absolute right to face your accuser. You do
11: not have that right as anything else. So well, how would I portray myself in court? Do I just walk in there and say I am man or do I put paperwork in? Prior well, we I,
9: I, I had a gun charge in 2015. I put some paperwork in that said I'm a man, and that I require common law in, a, in accord with uh, a particular book that describes the common law in the early American colonies, and uh, I quoted some of that, and I required to face my accuser, and that was it. And, and there's nothing complicated so did you, about
11: it. So did you have help behind that process, or do you have information that the study of that process so we can yeah, look at that? It's,
9: it's, I mean, did you study it
11: or did you have I that? did study
9: it. I did study it. It's in the
11: book of Acts, Acts 25, 16. Acts 25, 16? Yeah, or sixteen, twenty-five. One of the so other. what about, I mean, you can look also look at Proverbs 6:31. I mean, well, those you can do more these, correct?
9: You have to look at yourself and look at what's okay. on your heart. And you either decide that you're. I went to court to remain in honor and to settle whatever okay. controversy was before the court. And I did so as a man. I didn't do it as a person. I didn't do it as a a convicted felon. I didn't do it as whatever. I, I went in as a man to didn't
5: remain you in honor to, that settle, you were a man? to settle. Yeah, I told him I'm a man. Whatever controversy is before the court.
9: Yeah, they, and they, they did their thing. They put the cop on the stand, and the cop found the gun behind my seat, and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Who's the man that says I do us? It was so just a big, big hoax, huh?
11: What's that? It was just a big stage play, no, no big thing.
9: Well, it wasn't a stage play. It was a probable cause hearing day. There was about 30 defendants in there and, and uh, about the same amount of cops and, and and attorneys.
11: The room was packed. So did you actually quote... The books from the the law? And I didn't quote anything. The Bible I, or whatever version that you're using.
9: I didn't quote anything. I put it in my paperwork. There was, there was five or six notices. You can find them online, uh, uh, online at redressfordummies.org. And you can go to about Gus Brett. I did that again so you cut up. Redressfordummies.org. Okay. And if you look in the About section, you'll see about Gus Breton. That's me. And you'll see 2015 Gun Charge. And at that place, you'll find. Wait a minute.
11: You said Gus Breton. Yeah, that's me. Uh, Wait a minute. I think I heard of you. For you were with that Lance guy, la Whatever K. Whatever his name is. Who? You were with a a Lance guy. Yeah, Carl. Is that his first name? Yeah, Carl Lance. The biker-looking dude. Oh, uh, you got long hair, yeah. Uh, so, I, I, don't I don't know. I just remember your name when I was looking up some stuff for some information, and okay, I saw him
9: up there. So is, is he, he the he, one that
11: helped you with the case?
9: No, he didn't help me with the case. He uh, he laughed when I called him. I, I caught a charge and told him, how does it feel to be a giving case? So if you want to find out how that case went, Look at yeah. the comments. Uh, look at the comments at the bottom of the YouTube channel because people asked a lot of questions and I answered oh, what all those is, questions. Uh, what is
11: a YouTube channel, if you don't mind me asking? Gus Breton. Oh, Gus Breton. Okay.
9: Yeah, I don't use a bunch of different names to hide shit.
11: I'm <laughs> just who I am.
9: So, at least oh, no, there's a lot of
11: information out there, and then sometimes you know you're in a tailspin and you're wondering exactly. Well, if you, you want to know what the. Not, if you want to know the what the. Are you from the state, yeah. federal, or local? It's just all garbage. It, but it, if you, it, you don't know the biblical opportunities behind it and uh, it's not held within, you're not going to know it. If you, you want to finish your Jesus. You get a lot of people out here just, just running off at the mouth. Yeah. Well, uh, if you, thank you. I'm for not running time off at the mouth. Hey, are you going to let me answer the question? Okay. Thank you. Oh, go ahead. You said that? <laughs>
9: If you want to see the paperwork that I put in, it's, sure. it's at org in the About section under Gus Breton, and you'll see 2015 gun charge. You'll see, you can listen to the audio. There was only one court hearing,
11: and you can see the paperwork. They're both you right there. You said 2015 being charged in the About section? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Hopefully I didn't take up too much of your time, but... um. I wanted to ask that because it was a little confusing in the conversation process. Uh, I'm pretty much a detailed guy, and I just don't like all the confusion. But thanks for taking my call.
1: All
6: right. Thank you. All right. Next up is North Georgia. Go ahead, North Georgia. You've been unmuted. North Georgia, you've been unmuted. Uh, Where'd they go? Oh, I guess they got disconnected or something. Okay, next up is Southeast Colorado. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. Southeast Colorado. Hello, hello. Can you hear?
4: Now we can hear you. There is a uh, young woman. Um, she divorced. The dad split custody. He remarried. He died. She went to the funeral. Uh, work which said that they gave custody of her daughter to the second wife, and threw her in jail for disorderly conduct. She has is in possession of her property just now because. Um, they had joint custody before, anyway, and she would get her for the summer um she would like to put and, stuff, and you got uh,
6: stepped on I didn't hear you
4: say that would, again she, she would like to put paperwork and not return the the her property and I was just wondering if. Uh, does Jensen have a strategy, or or what court she should maybe try and deal with, or something that that might help her do something like that?
7: Well, oh, do you know how long um, the that they had split custody um, until the?
4: I do not, but I, I, I do not, but I can find those things out.
7: Um, so because that's probably going to be a a key factor, um, because they were married, uh, kind of makes it where she has parental rights from the husband, from her husband. You know, when a man and a woman get married, they become one flesh, and so basically, you take on uh. You know the other family, the in-laws. Um, so it would be it would be pretty contingent on how long she's been with the child, the the mother, um, not the mother but the uh, the widow. It, it would depend on how long she has been with the child, how many years, and how old the ch- child is. Um but basically if you're going to file something then you gotta file it into the case if they wrongfully arrested her, um and they did that at a funeral you said?
4: Okay, okay, I will I will uh yes, I don't know those details how long the the new the new wife had the uh you know how long. How old divorce. is the child? The child is nine nine years old.
6: What does she want to do?
4: Oh, she wants to be with mom
6: Well, then that should be all there is to it. She should be able to get her
4: but uh no that's not the way it's happening um, the 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 newer wife uh family connections in the small town, et cetera, et cetera
7: uh, yeah mm-hmm. well. If she got arrested at um, the funeral, did I get hear that properly?
4: Uh, yeah, yes, for uh, disorderly conduct or some some something bogus, just so they could serve her the papers and say, uh, oh, by the way, you don't have your child anymore either.
7: Yeah, so there are a bunch of witnesses that will step up and say that that's what they saw happen.
4: I'll have to find all those details out. I uh, just learned about this.
7: Yeah, because, I mean, you no. Know, when when we get into a case, every little detail, I mean, just one or two words can change the entire strategy of what we're doing. So um, without – because I don't really wish to talk about what I believe if I think that it could hurt somebody. Um, but if there are people who are willing to step up as witnesses, and say that they saw this happen and they know that it's wrong, that it's unlawful in their heart, that would be a very good place to start, in my opinion, based off of what you've told me this evening.
4: Okay, that's good. And and while I've got you guys, uh, uh, I, I heard you say, Gus, that you said you had a show last night. Is that uh, a regular? I also heard... You're doing numerous shows, so
9: yeah. That's uh, we have a regular show at Common Law Word Nerds, which is one three four zero eight four, and that's on Wednesday and Saturday nights. So on Wednesdays, we discuss uh, stuff ab- about law, and on Saturdays, we discuss why we do what we do with the law. And so, uh, Saturdays more spiritual, where Wednesdays more technical. And uh, we've got, you know, the 4th of July coming up, and i got a family reunion coming up the following weekend. So, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to do the next couple of shows, but pretty much every Wednesday and Saturday night.
4: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, you for being
5: out. on the
1: call.
4: Yeah.
3: i'm back on john i had to handle a family issue i didn't have time to tell anybody i just had to handle
7: it yeah we uh we were missing you there for a minute
3: sorry about that angela Uh,
5: sounds like you're backing up Hello, Angela. What's
3: up? I think somebody hollered for Angela.
9: Yeah, she might have stepped away for a second.
6: Oh, um, my gosh. Here I am. I had my mute button on. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- oh, jeez. I was talking to myself. Okay. Alan Muhammad, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Did you have oh, a question? Thank you, Angela.
8: Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. I ask, Sorry I wanna, about I that. I want Hi. Hello. Hello. I want to say hello to your guest. Right. Uh, yep. Thank them and thank him for the input and uh what I wanna what I wanna get his opinion on is rid of one a four one toe and the mandamus combined. Have you ever did that I, I should ask this because I may be acting a little bit too much. Have you ever filed that type of writ, the rid of a a four one toe and combined with the mandamus? And what court did you put it in? If he ever did it, or do you know anyone who did it? I want to get his, I want to get his opinion upon
9: it, Can they found upon it, or I'm on the wrong topic. If I am yeah, yeah. Uh, so, a writ of uh, Querolanto and the Mandamus. Yes,
8: sir. Yes, sir. And, hey. I, and I was I was I want to get your opinion on it as the the court, the court. I put one before the state court, but I'm thinking that she can go in any court with it. I think.
7: No, yeah, I,
9: I, I personally would not do one, but I don't know about the about JC and Sean. Mhm. Um.
7: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with Gus. I probably wouldn't do anything like that. Sean and I mostly try and stick with English and English common law. Okay. Have
8: you Have you ever done a mandate? Um. Any
7: of them, uh, that, that, that that's that's open question. Amanda, <clears throat> uh yeah. no, I've probably done things similar. Um, what are you trying to accomplish? Well actually actually what I'm doing is, is set the
8: administration in place. I'm gonna I'm gonna file it Just the 'cause I've done it before. I just wanted to get your opinion on it before I move on it. Uh I'm dealing with with commission with God to do it after the statute of limitation has gone out. Because what they've done is they took something and did something in the case and changed documents around. In other words, they changed information
7: around. They changed okay, information can you, that was in the case. Can, can you prove that they changed information around? Yes, yes, I have the documents
8: to prove it. And the document says that one thing happened, but the judge in the federal court said another thing happened, and in the state court, they said another thing happened. But the documents, the information, the evidence says no, this happened. In other words, due process is violated. there's no doubt about it. Uh, but it's a matter now of just, just putting in the mandamus. But I think the rid of the rid the would be the highest risk, So it might be best to go that way. But I just want to get you guys input because I, 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 actually I respect what you what you're saying tonight. I got on the call late, but I I I, I would assume that
7: that you gentlemen would have a
8: little input into it as filing it.
7: Yeah, if if I understand you properly, um, you know, it sounds like this this action that I can presume is moving against you uh, has has transferred courts from state to federal, maybe back to state, um, and information has been altered or lost. Right, that's correct, sir. And that's okay, fine. so basically, what I would do is I would uh, resend every. The case has it already gone to trial? Oh yeah,
8: we we this has been going on to, for quite a few years, but it's a matter of now it's a matter of straightening out lies that the judges are telling. That's what is going down. Okay, they're lies, they're, they're blatant lies that they're telling. And and I want I want I want to file the the writ and court the mandamus, but it's an administrative uh, a writ I believe to get them to, to get the, the higher court to straighten it out. But you have to go to a higher court. They not they not going to go against each other. You know that. You know they're not going to do that. Uh, but you need to go get it out of their hands in order to get it straightened out. Yeah, but did it go to a jury trial? No, that wasn't a jury trial. They they, they made the decision uh,
7: on their own. Okay, did that, did it actually go to a trial, or was it some type of summary judgment or judgment order without a trial? No, but it was. this was the default order.
8: This was a default order.
7: Okay, hey, if it's a default order, here's what you do. You go back and you rescind everything from the case and you start all over because uh, a judgment order, a default order, um, anything that doesn't actually involve you going to a trial, like to a trial court and having evidence presented and going in front of a jury or going in front of a judge and spending all day or multiple days, in an actual trial where each side can present all of their evidence is uh, an administrative process. It's not due process of law. And you can go back and challenge it and basically start the entire case over again. So you would uh, remove any consent that you ever appeared to have in that case and go back to the original action. Right,
8: I understand that, because I never gave them consent. I understand it; they were never, they never had consent, and they never they well, made rules on their own.
7: Consent's a really funny thing um, because even if you're saying you don't have consent, like even if you're telling them, like, "Hey, you don't have consent to do this. This is against my express wishes," um, they they are very very tricky at pulling you into their jurisdiction. And as soon as they get you in their jurisdiction, um, it's like the court system, the entire court system, it works off of tactic, overt, and implied consent, okay. So all three of those words basically mean that you don't even know what's going on. Um, and it gets really, really tricky. Um, so if they keep on moving against somebody. and This isn't all of the time, Um, because I have seen them completely just run over uh, lawlessly. I got arrested for consent of court for helping an 87-year-old man not get robbed by an attorney. And uh, the whole reason they arrested me is because they knew at that courthouse that I was going to flip it around for this old guy in about two or three sentences. And um, so they had me arrested. They brought me back up, held me, you know, for the contempt hearing. And they never got jurisdiction uh, because I was helping someone else in that courthouse two days later. The, the man acting as judge just threw me in jail for 48 hours. They've never produced any paperwork because the high clerk of that courthouse will not sign off on it um, because it's highly unlawful. And illegal uh, so I do know that they run over people sometimes but for the most part I would say about 90 percent of the time um, if you know exactly how you're moving in law they'll typically res-
0: you are muted
7: if you know exactly how you're moving in law I would go back and rescind any consent that you had in the case and start all over and basically, create all of your own paperwork, don't use any statutes, and you're going to have to file it in the original trial court.
0: Correct. I agree with
8: everything that you... You are unmuted. The only thing
10: is there's a bunch of lies in there that, that, that,
8: that, that deals with the public court as well as the court. But thank you very much for your input. I, I really appreciate it. I want to hear what you say is mainly pertaining to a writ of forewarn. So... And the mandamus, but yeah, I, you, you're basically telling me about procedure, and I, I really appreciate it, and I, and I, I have to uh, uh, give you credit for that, to that, to the fact that you uh, you you uh, are pointing in that direction. But I already knew, but I, I'm just wanting to get that, that that information on the writ and the mandamus.
7: But thank you very much. All right, thank you. And um, just to be clear for everyone up on the call, uh, Sean and I. Um <laughs> Sean and I basically uh we we don't do uh quo warranto, uh damas We we basically don't do anything, use any word that we can't get out of the Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. Uh because we speak English and that's the language we know. Uh, any paperwork Fleeting. Anything that we put into the court, uh, we we make sure that it's English and we make sure that
6: it's proper. Very good. All right.
7: Okay. Uh, last one. Angela, last one I up here. Yeah. And Sean are muted.
6: No, they're not. Oh, they are not? No, I only muted them out when they were making all kinds of noise. And then when I uh, when when Alum continued speaking, I unmuted Gus and I unmuted. Sean. Oh, okay. So, next up is down the middle. Go ahead, down the middle. You've been unmuted.
12: Who is unmuted?
6: Down the middle.
12: Okay. Hi, Angela. You go. Uh, I'll, Hi. I'll go to your yep. S as well. I've got I'm a. Home. I've got a question on uh, procedure. At one of your, I was listening to one of your previous audio recordings by Bill Thornton, and uh, something uh, I think Gus said tonight reminded me of that, and I had a question regarding it, and it had to do with uh, Bill said that he filed a or uh, filed a, court, a case in court and requested a jury a trial by jury and when it got to uh the second to the last or the last day when you could make changes to the uh to the record he he went in and uh canceled the requirement to have a, jur- a tr- uh, jury for the trial by jury um and I was wondering how that works uh i think Gus, you said that you could you could actually be the judge of your own court i know the magistrate is mainly for process oriented uh process-oriented work, but how does it work without having a a jury?
5: Hello?
6: Hello? Gus, are you there? He's not muted. (laughs) And East Tennessee is not muted. Well, let me mute him. Let me mute him. You are muted.
0: You are unmuted.
6: Are you there? There you are. I I see you, but do you have your phone muted? Gus? You're not muted.
9: Oh, got it. That's what it was. My there phone you is are.
6: Cute. What? Okay. Uh, what was it? Repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but um, go ahead and ask him again.
12: Yeah, okay. Uh, I was listening to one of the previous audio recordings from Bill Thornton.
1: Okay.
6: He
12: indicated he had he had put in a case, filed a case and requested a trial by jury. Yeah. And when it got to the end of the time when he could enter things into the into the record.
8: Yeah he can't uh, I
12: think it was on the day before the second or the last day. He uh rescinded the requirement of having the, the jury. Okay so and i think today tonight you also indicated that in your own court you could be the uh the judge of the of the court, and I was wondering how that works uh It doesn't seem to make sense to me that um, well
9: the, that the, the uh,
12: magistrate being mainly the process oriented person in the court how how does um, how do you become the judge
9: i I'm not the one who mentioned that that was j c and what he was talking about is putting an order in that you require the, uh, the man acting as judge to witness, uh, you know, those particular facts. So you, you put in, I mean, this is what I think he's talking about, where you put in a, uh, the conclusions of law, the findings of fact, and you write out an order. But uh, I, I don't want to speak for JC. Uh, JC, what were you talking about with uh, writing your own order
7: Oh, uh, Basically, I was saying um, that when you create your own court, you create all of your own documents uh, and you actually write out the order. Um, you can put a findings of facts and conclusions of law in there, that's fine. But you do have to get a jury judgment. Um, you can get a judge to judge the case. Uh, it's not always necessary to pull a jury. Uh, because the judge has to act in law. So basically, like, um, this is something that I talked about on uh, the first show that we did with Gus, and that is if you go to file a common law action, uh, require to see the magistrate to file it with them, and if you have two other witnesses to the wrongdoing that's mentioned in that action, and all three of you testify to the same set of facts while you're filing the action in front of the magistrate to get it on the record of the court, then that is a fact on the record. It cannot be challenged without a jury. And um, once you have the facts established on the record, the judge has to go by the facts and apply the law. But you need
12: three three witnesses?
7: Well, you got to have yourself. You have to have the accuser and two witnesses. Mm. Or the prosecutor and two more witnesses. But, you know, kind of like I was talking on Gus's show one time, um, and this came back up again, get really inventive with it, okay? In fact, I like the fact that you mentioned Bill Thornton, and I'd like to make a shout-out to him because he actually pointed me and a lot of the directions of thought that I started out with when going down this rabbit trail. Um, and I would love to talk to him one day. But, you know, get really inventive with it because if you have audio or video recordings of the wrong that was being done, you can just show that to people. And one of the things that I got from Bill Thornton and off of his video is he was talking about your feelings And emotions can be testimony as well. So, if you have audio or video recording of the wrongdoing being done, you can just get two of your buddies to sit down and watch or listen to that and then go in and testify about how that makes them feel.
5: Okay. That makes sense. Does that
7: answer your question?
12: Yeah, and and I guess one other question: did you, did you ever have any cases where you took the IRS into court?
7: Um, no, I've I've never taken the IRS into court because I don't know any man or woman named IRS. Uh, I, I
12: mean, uh, let's say the the man that's acting in the role of commissioner sometimes.
7: Um, it it would have to be I I've never done that. No. Um, could it be done? Maybe. Is it likely? Not really. Uh, you would have to build up a whole lot of evidence against him, and he'd have to really be doing wrong. Uh, basically, with the IRS, if they're coming after you, um, it's pretty easy. Just tell them you're not a U.S. citizen and then prove it. Okay? That, that's the harder part. Um, but be kind of something I first started helping people out with. And a lot of people came to me about, hey, how do I quit paying taxes? And I say, it's it's pretty easy. Just write them a letter and state these few things that we can probably go over on another show. Uh, I know it's running kind of late, um, but, you know, just state these kind of few things and write them a letter with your intentions and see they answer you and depending on how they answer you, you would take it the next step after that. But basically, you just got to inform them that you're not their property and you just figured this out that you're not their property and so you're not going to pay them anymore. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like uh, Sean and I, Sean, do you want to use the Santa Claus and cookies and milk example from the other night?
6: Sean
12: Yeah, my my situation. Yeah, I figured it out. So my my phone,
3: phone is muted. It's unmuted now. Um the the deal is is like um when you're Sean's going on, really
7: uh, IRS stuff, you got out of the big IRS thing.
3: The uh it's really pretty basic, and I know that sounds cuz like when you're going through an IRS thing, when you don't want anything, it's really stressful and you know i was actually learning to understand what i was doing as i was going through it that was like a three-year process and it was pretty it was pretty stressful for me but i learned an incredible amount of wisdom and information out of that and it's going to benefit other people around me um when you're growing up you watch tv all of us most of us remember the claymation uh santa claus and rudolph and frosty the snowman shows and you're a little kid you know the christmas trees up the stockings are hung by the chimney with care and man you're just digging on santa claus and that new rifle you wanted or that new green machine or whatever it is you want right and you're like i gotta man i gotta bribe him i gotta leave some cookies and milk you leave those cookies and milk, and you're like, this is going to get me what i got to get coming, man. This has got to work. And, you know, you do this for years. And you always come in, the milk's gone, and most of the cookies are eaten except for one. that has one bite out of it to prove he ate them. And uh, everybody experienced that, you know. But then there was some day on the school ground where you were talking to some kid, and you're like, dude, Santa Claus got me this crazy green machine. And the dude's like, dude, what are you talking about? There is no Santa Claus. So, like, you go through your life, Santa Claus is real. St. Claus is real to kids. I mean, they'll tell you, what are you talking about? I watched the Air Force track them with satellites all over the TV. They gave me live updates. What do you mean it's not real? And a lot of stuff that people deal with, um, and we can use the IRS as an example. You know, when I first started getting letters from the IRS, I was like, oh, man, I, the IRS is after me, man. They're, they're going to, oh, dude, what do I do? I mean, I know what I believe, but I don't understand why I believe it. Essentially what it comes down to is if you make Santa Claus real, he's real to you, but ultimately there really isn't a Santa Claus. Um, there's no boogeyman. And, but if you make the boogeyman real, he's very real to you, and nobody can convince you otherwise. So when you figure out – like I hear people say they and them and they and then they sent and then the IRS sent. When you're able to really come to grips with the fact that those things don't exist really – and there's nothing in the back of your mind that's saying, well, maybe they do, Um, when you're able to settle on the fact that Santa Claus isn't real, you eat the cookies and drink the milk. You don't have to share it with Santa Claus. And um, that's where the studying and the understanding of who you are and what you wish to be. And in all honesty, I watched a courthouse completely turn around for me because I surrendered to the Creator. it hit me finally. Some advice I got from a, a preacher, um, Brother Gregory from His Holy Church. You guys should go to that website, it's HisHolyChurch.com. He's a wonderful guy, very smart. Um, he told me to go into court as a servant. That that's how Christ would enter court, you know. And at first, I wasn't. I didn't say he was crazy because I knew he wasn't. But it took me sitting in a marshal's office before court. It just hit me. Yeah, he's right. I do have to go in here as a servant, but something else I had to go in there so I had to realize that none of this was real. And um, I can't control what the judge is going to do. I can't control what the IRS agent, the man who acts as an IRS agent is going to do, the prosecutors, the guards, the marshals. I can't control any of them, but what I can control is what I do. And I completely surrendered to the fact that if they had put a gun in my mouth, wasn't going to change my mind I i literally put my whole life on the line that day um and i just went in there and said what i believed and i went in there as a servant with honor um it was really that simple and no one was angry i i ceased to have any animosity towards these people because i realized that confusion was created a lot by me um we were helping the guy yesterday and today, and we've been helping him for some time, and he was talking, and and we just told him the other night, look, dude, you asked the agent to do this to you, and he just could not rectify that. He just could not get that in his head, and we're like, look, you wrote this word here, right? You wrote validate. Well, he can't validate it if he doesn't have the paperwork to validate it with, so you basically asked him to seek you out. I mean, man, the guy's doing his job, and he's doing it pretty efficiently. But a lot of times, we bring most of it on ourselves because we don't understand, and we keep trespassing on their beliefs. And one of the things we always tell people is don't, and this doesn't mean you're obviously you're going to read the Bible, or you're going to talk to people, and you're going to formulate opinions and beliefs off that. But just as a rule of thumb, if you're <clears throat> struggling against another agency why would you use their beliefs to validate your belief that their belief didn't have any power over you like i've heard a couple of people my phone was muted i'm sorry i couldn't speak but um you know i've heard well let's use this and this and this and it's like you're trying to use other people and the very system that you're trying to use to say it doesn't have any power over you to say it doesn't have any power over you, and that's that's what you can't do. So you can't say Santa Claus is not real, or uh, that he's yeah he's not real, and then leave out milk and cookies and hope that he is. I just so this it, it, this
12: isn't this isn't helping me at all. I've I've got my, I filed amended returns. I've got money that's due back to me. Uh huh. And they're stonewalling. It's not that they're coming after me. I'm going after them.
3: Well, he asked me to tell you about the Santa Claus story. If you're going after them I think you're going to be up a uphill battle. If you listen to what I'm saying is you're trying to go after a them. There is no them.
12: No, I've I, I've uh sent notices to the uh commissioner the man mm-hmm. called uh I forget what his name is, commit, and sometimes uh acts as a
7: commissioner of
12: the IRS.
7: Mm-hmm. How how did the IRS acquire this money that you're going after?
12: Uh it was I made a mistake earlier on three previous tax forms by sending in my taxes when I wasn't uh, required to do it and I filed amended returns to recover my property.
3: Okay. Can I ask you can I ask him a question real quick? Yeah, did this sorry. have anything to do with did this have anything to do with Pete Hendrickson um Assa Q Trust? Erwin uh, Schiff or any of those guys?
12: Nothing to do with
3: test decay v. Truss.
12: It uh, does have to do with Peter, Peter Hendrickson.
3: Okay, I can tell you right now, if you're using, and this is not my opinion, this is a fact, if you're using that gentleman's stuff, you're in danger. And That's I'm
7: good. just going to say something I said a little bit earlier this evening, and that is, If you're looking to somebody like Pete Henderson to analyze and interpret statutes and codes for you, you really are honestly better going and hiring an attorney who actually went to law school. And that's just my opinion.
3: And Pete Henderson's entire premise is skewed. Like, he doesn't understand the relationships of citizenry. Um, personhood man he it it's i'm not putting him down he seems like a great guy, but he's getting tons of people in trouble man um, and it's because he he's not understanding some of the basic principles like you know we I know men personally that have used that stuff, some of them are in prison right now, brother and and they were they're smart man they're not i mean these guys i dare say they know the ucc code better than the attorneys do but and uh the u.s code i mean they're they're brilliant and they got hammered and it wasn't necessarily because they got ran over it's because they didn't understand um some of the very it's just like if you're if you're trying to build a wall and you're trying to make it level and you're a 16th out 40 foot later, how far out are you? You know, if, if you start out at a skewed point of view, by the time you get to the end, you may not even be on a, a path that you recognize, you know? I mean, every man has a right to their opinion, but that, that stuff is it's just not correct. Well,
12: what, you haven't said anything that's incorrect about it.
3: Um. You're wanting a benefit, right? What's that? Basically, you're wanting some benefit from the federal government, correct? No. You're not. You don't want monies? You don't want to benefit from the the tax code? I want to recover my property. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you used a social security number at some point to make monies, correct? Yes. Okay then you gifted 100% of your earnings to the citizen that you were using, called a US citizen, which is a holder of public office. Absolutely, involved in a trader business because that's a holder of public office. And by using that social security number, you are literally an auxiliary beneficiary. That's what it says in the Social Security Act. You're an auxiliary beneficiary. You can go on uh, patriotism and other BS. if. If you'd rather get another source and a gentleman called the informer and James Montgomery, the informer, everything he ever wrote. And there's a document in there called, will the real beneficiary please stand up? And if you read that document, it's, it's only two pages. I, I'm pretty sure it's only two short pages. I think it might give you a whole new perspective on the angle that you're taking. And
12: who is, will the real beneficiary please stand up? Who is the author?
3: That's the informer. He died about three years ago. He's a wonderful man. He was an engineer, a teacher, um, an instructor. I mean, he was just he was brilliant. And he wrote several books and documents. And you can go on YouTube. theres a, It's called The New History of America, parts one through six. And as a matter of fact, if you go to Gus's Redress for Dummies.org, we have an About Common Law Shamanism page. And all of those links are there with books that we suggest like Webster's Uh, 1828 on a bridge, lessons in English by Lockwood. Um, You know, a lot of people, it's just like John just said, a lot of people think that they understand the code and they don't. They're not speaking the same language and terms of art and words and definitions are all different things and the way that they write them are very confusing and if you get if you have a starting point that you don't understand those things, it, it gets you in a mess really quickly. Um, a lot of that Pete Henderson stuff is stuff, I can't say I, I, I dabbled in it too much, but I started down that road, I quickly realized that it wasn't for me, um, and then I studied the Sethi QV stuff, even went so far as to authenticate my birth certificate, uh, or the birth certificate, excuse me. So it's not like I haven't been there. Um, I would just strongly recommend that you look into that from someone else's point of view. It doesn't have to be mine or John's. You can go look at the informer stuff. That guy wrote more stuff on the IRS. If he's got copies of their stuff, that's just out of this world. But it's patriotism and other BS. And thank God for the guy who saved all his work because after he died his his family kind of let it go to the wayside a little bit, but this guy went back and got permission and got it all put on that website
6: which website
3: it's patriotism and other b s and it's got all of his writings, his books it's free as far as I know. I haven't seen anything that was locked out for us
6: .com. but I mean
3: there's just... yes, ma'am. Patricism
6: and other BS dot com. Check okay, that.
3: Yeah, because once you use that social security number, you are you become under the person, and you're surrendering everything to that personhood. Like you're literally gifting. This is where you become the surety for debt. A lot of people think they're a beneficiary. They're literally a trustee of the birth certificate name. You're the trustee, not them.
12: Yeah, I thought you were the the beneficiary until you went into court, and then they tried to make you the trustee.
3: No, no, no. You're the trustee the minute you go down and you use that birth certificate to get that Social Security number. The state is the grantor creator of that document, not God. God created man, not person. And that's what we try to, to show on our Saturday show. You know, God created man. It's throughout the whole Bible. Um, and I'm not trying to be a Bible pumper, so I hope you don't take me that way. But, you know, God created man. The Creator created mankind, not humans or person. Mankind created persons, okay? And it's not that you can't receive some type of benefit. Like, you know, people, I guess, when they get a business license, they, they think they receive a benefit of being taxed and audited. Um, because they can get lease a new car every two years. I I don't I don't necessarily see that as a benefit, but some people do. So, but you when know you what? When, yes, ma'am.
6: I'm sorry that that patriotism and other BS dot com. Yes, ma'am. Isn't working. It's not coming up.
3: That's weird. Is it dot com yeah. or dot org, Gus? It's on it's on that uh, Gus's website.
6: Let me try .org. I
9: put a yeah, link into the. I put a link into the uh, chat. Okay.
3: Yeah, it, it's not that. Um, but when you're using the social security number, I mean, think about it. You're using the social security number, and you didn't create it, right? No. So who did? So you look at who did. Now, if if I if you come to my house and ask me to borrow my truck to go shopping, okay, I guess it does like give you the benefit of getting to the grocery store but when you you know if i tell you hey to use that you've got to give me uh all your money and your groceries so i guess in a way it benefited you to get to the grocery store but the liability that was attached to it was so outweighed the benefit it wasn't worth it it was a you know so when you're using that social security number brother it literally tells you you're an auxiliary beneficiary and being an auxiliary beneficiary is essentially like the women's auxiliary at the fire department. They're not firemen. They're not going to receive medical benefits or a paycheck. They just attach themselves to the name because technically speaking, you're really not a U.S. citizen either. You're using a U.S. citizen. Just to make
6: the correction, it's Patriot Games and other BS.
3: Oh, I thought it was Patriot. I'm sorry. My bad.
6: Well, but, but the actual link is PatriotGamesBlog.wordpress.com.
7: Hey, uh, I hate to interrupt, but um, I'm in the car for 10 hours today to go be at court for about an hour and a half. And I am really exhausted, and I got a certain alphabet agency that I have to go have a meeting with tomorrow morning. So, Angela, right. thank you very much for having us on, on your call. We really appreciate oh, thank it. thank you. Uh, I appreciate everyone you else, coming Thank on. you very much for coming out and listening to what we have to say, and hopefully we can do this sometime in the future. Yeah, thank very you, very for having good. us. good, very good. Yes,
6: we'll do a follow-up. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Gus?
9: Oh, I, I wasn't. Uh, I was, we're on uh, Common Law Word Nerds. So uh, my talk is 134084. You can touch us there as well. And, uh, okay. you know, we'd, we'd be happy to come That's back and Wednesdays hang out here.
6: and Saturdays? Wednesdays okay. and Saturdays, Wednesdays yep. Wednesdays and Saturdays. What time?
9: 9 p.m. Eastern, same time as yours.
6: Okay. So Wednesdays and Saturdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, and give the number again.
9: 134084, and the website is redressfordummies.org
6: redressfordummies.org dot org, and then there's links to Shaman and JC's uh, information there also.
9: Yeah, in the About section, you'll see about Common Law Shamanism, and that's where JC. We're going to be going through the whole website and cleaning it up when we get a minute, but right now we just put everything, you know, all the basic stuff on the the Common Common Law Shamanism page.
6: Very good. All right, hey, Angela. Well.
3: Yeah, Angela. Before I go, I'd like to say something. Um, we were all very, very, very excited and honored to be on your show. Especially, I know Gus has been on here before, but John and I weren't originally going to come out and, and start doing a radio show. We actually tried to get Gus to do it and us just feed him information, but he wouldn't do that. <laughs> so we listened to your show for a long time, and uh, it was really an honor for us to be here to actually get to uh-huh. actually meet you and talk to you. So. Thank you very much for having us on. And, yeah, thank, thank you. The you.
6: honor is all mine. I appreciate it. I appreciate coming on and sharing, and you're welcome to come on anytime. Just, you know, when you've got an update, shoot me an email and we'll set it up.
7: Uh, cool. I second with Sean said, and if you wish, you can just go ahead and schedule us for the next available date you have free.
6: Okay, hold on one second, and I'll do it right now. Let me look. I think, uh, let's see here, uh, uh, August 2nd, Thursday, August 2nd.
7: That works for me. Sounds good.
6: Okay. I'm putting you in here, JC and Shaman. Done. And, um,
7: it's you great. Know, <coughs> I don't know if you have our, our uh, email address, but it's JC and Shaman. At uh, gmail.com,
6: JC and Shaman at gmail.com. Very good.
7: Yes, ma'am. I have it now. So JC,
6: if, I'm if, writing it down. <laughs> if you would
7: just uh, shoot us an email. um We'll we'll get right back in touch with you. And if you know Bill thornton I I would really appreciate having a conversation with them.
6: Well, you know what? I've tried uh emailing him because someone said they had tried and hadn't got hadn't reached him. And so I sent him an email. I haven't heard from him in a while, so I don't know what's going on, but I'll keep trying. And hope uh all right. if I do get a I hope so too. I hope he's not in the hospital or anything like that, but uh hopefully we'll hear from him soon and uh set that up. You can talk to him. I'm sure he would look forward to it. He knew. So, all right, good. All right, thank you guys. Thank you so much, Thanks. Gus. Thanks for for referring them to us. Uh, he posted the email in the chat. Thank you, JC and Shaman at Gmail dot com. Very good, very good. All right, well, let's see who do we have up for next week. I don't even know who's up for next weekend. Um, oh, Al Whitney. She was on a while back. She's going to update us on what's new, so I look forward to that. And everybody, have a great, have a great weekend. Um, I don't know, are there any holidays coming up? All oh, you dads had Father's Day already. Well, Fourth of July—that's three weeks away yeah. yet, or two weeks away, something like that. All right. Well. Have fun, everybody. As I always say, take care of each other. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Good night.
9: Good night, night,
8: everybody. Uh, Thank you.